Moralia Python Radio with your hosts, Eric Burke and Owen McIntyre. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Moralia Python Radio. Tonight, we are joined by our good friend, Ari Flagel. Uh, he just came back from a trip from over in uh, Papua New Guinea. Or, and nice. um, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, or I guess here what uh, here we're, we're the radio <laughs> show. You don't see anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what he uh, what was the trip all about and what he saw? Mm-hmm. I know he got really really sick at some point during the trip, and I think I think the purpose was to get a pick of uh, a baby hatching out of an egg, but. Worth we'll, it. We'll hit Worth on. it. We, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll hit, I mean, it's like I nearly died. Worth it. It's like yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I must think like if you travel all that way, man. Like mm-hmm. you go all that way, and like you get sick. Do you like, like miss out on the opportunity when you know what I mean? Like you have to like push uh, through that, say, man. <laughs> exactly. Like you know, if let's say we ended up, let's say we end up going to Australia. Let's say we get there and I'm like violently ill. All right. In right. between taking pictures of snakes, I'm puking in a bush. I don't give a damn. You're not leaving me behind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I, I don't yeah. you, you will have to drag me to the hospital because it's like, Owen, you're dying. Like that's again, <laughs> even then, I'm gonna fight you yeah. the whole way. So right. yeah, you know, it's a good Ferrari, you know. Yeah, I mean you can't take away the guy's dedication to this no. species, man. I mean, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> I mean, I thought I was passionate about carpet pythons, but <laughs> this takes it to a whole new level, man. We haven't yet to try We haven't yet almost died for our carpet pythons yet. So, you know, nah, that's, yeah. uh, that, that's awesome. And he got to see, I mean, how many times has he been over there? And this is, is this the first time he's seen a baby, like, hatching? Because if so, that's no. awesome. No, it isn't. I, I think, All right, cool. I think he's seen it before, but I I think it's just, well, well uh, obviously when we get he gets on, yeah, he he feels better. But uh, you know, speaking of taking a trip, did you see that um, uh, video that um, Scott posted up in the chat of the hypo looking coastal that he probably found yes. in his backyard? <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> you know, I I love and hate that man. It's like that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Son of a bitch! Like you know that yeah. it's better than everything I have. So you know that's oh, it happens. Snake was nice. It's wow. so cool looking. You know it. It's cool stuff like that and that kind of uh, wildlife interaction is what I think kind of gets lost a lot with the reptile yeah. community. It's like it's a snake in a box. It's a snake in a box. It's a snake in a box, and then you never see the wild uh, cousins of your snake in the box, and it, it kind of does bring a different thing. Yeah. So speaking of snakes in a box, um, I had it. Well, stuff in a box. Yeah, I had my first clutch of 2018, which is my uh, god, which is pretty awesome since I didn't have any clutches (laughs) last year. And um, so yeah, real quick before we get Ari on, I'll I'll, I'll talk about it. But um, so this girl. was with the tiger IJ, which was the one that uh, at the, the very really, end. Really big one? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. He's not that big anymore. Oh, <laughs> he's been EBM. Oh, we've, we've, <laughs> oh, we've, we've EB Morelli at him. Okay. Yeah. Yes. He's just 
seeing it angry. Yeah, so he he slimmed down, um, but um, I bred him with a GQM pen, which I was just thinking about this tonight, was produced by my GQM pen that is in the cage next to her that she's about to lay. So, and and she's so much bigger than her mom. It's I don't know. I just don't equate the two being the same. But anyway, uh, she laid the clutch, um, and she had a prelay shed. But that's when the Tiger IJ got the slight RI. It took him, mm-hmm. you know, got him tested. He was the nine O negative, and she was nine O negative, and all that stuff. So that's good. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't think that she was grab it. Like I, I, okay. I thought because I pulled him and like, you know, I thought that maybe she reabsorbed or whatever and she shed, but she didn't, she didn't like really feel, uh, typically like, you know, they feel like that feel that I was talking, what we were talking about last week. So yeah. just said, uh, <laughs> I'm like, eh, whatever. So right before the show, I'm going in and I, 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 I'm, you know, I'm looking through, I'm looking through just checking them and see where they're at. Like a lot of my girls are in the prelay shed and I looked at, and you, you, you can't, but notice that beehive. And I was mm-hmm. like, Holy shit. She's still got eggs. So, you know, I kind of like pushed the coils out and whatnot. And, uh, I think I'm going to go maternal incubation with her. And, uh, I see seven eggs uh, right there. So she, she had a nice size clutch. I mean, like I, I count yes. at least seven. So yes. that's, that's not bad. And, uh, yeah. Is this your first time breeding uh, animals that you yourself have produced? Yes, but here's the thing. I didn't actually produce that girl. Oh, fail. (laughs) She was produced by Luke Snell, but I did produce a clutch from that same pairing. So I do have... So kind of, but not really. Yeah, this is not really, but almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And uh, one other cool thing. You know, I, I remember that caramel girl that way back that we had to like uh, palpate. Well, you had to palpate the egg. I did. Of. Yes. yes. <laughs> that was another kind of almost. Yeah. So, yeah. Go on. So yes. I don't know. She was looking plump and I was like, she, and I was like, maybe we should see if she's going to go. So I threw in a tiger with her. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that she just ovulated and they, I, they've been locking up like crazy. So caramel tigers may be actually it's caramel citrus tigers may be. Uh, oh, you ruined it! No, I was like, I'm this, like, oh, I might be. Never mind. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> um, you know, it's screaming yellow. It's funny. It, it is. It's going to be great. It's funny because uh, I had this caramel female last year have all the problems with her eggs and uh, the prolapsing in the blood and stuff like that. She right. is been. Like, obviously, I'm not breeding her this year, but she's been just kind of sitting and eating and doing whatever. Today, she's out front center, and she's basking belly up. And I'm like, what the hell is this? So she hasn't seen a male. And watch this be like, I retained sperm. Here are eggs. It's like, God damn it. So, like, I'm (laughs) hoping she was just kind of sitting funny, but I know that in my, like, lizard brain that I know what's going on here. So either she's (laughs) ovulating or she's doing what she's 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 going through the motions that she always goes through. She wants to know mm-hmm. why the hell I haven't put a boy in there yet. So yeah. Either way, we'll see how that goes. But uh, I caught a lock this morning 
I actually caught a few locks this morning, so I'm still breeding. You're talking about like prelay sheds and all that crap. I'm like, I'm behind here. Yeah, my granite girl bred to an exanic. She had her prelay shed. My head exanic girl, I don't even know if it's head exanic anymore, but you know what I mean. Head exanic mm-hmm. IJ to head exanic IJ. They, uh, she had her prelay. Uh, my diamond jungle girl to the gamma jag. She had her prelay. Uh, looks like I have a sh- uh So my caramel jag had granite. My zebra had albino and. Uh, my M pen female are all in their prelays. Like they just went blue. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be quite a season, man. I could be pretty knee deep in babies. I better get that room opened up real quick. <laughs> you better get that room open up. You better get that incubator set up. You better get everything fired up. Yeah. Yep. You better, so. you better put down an order of, of live hoppers now. Cause they got to breed like a million of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> uh, you've you've gone too far. Is yeah. What happened? Uh, so, anyway, that's uh, what's going on over here. And uh, yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know what's cool. up with you. Anything else? Uh, you want to hit? No, on? I mean we're we're trying to breed this, that, and the other thing. I caught uh, the olive pythons are were curled up in their bin together, which has never happened before. Uh, the bread lie, I nice. started, uh, pull, I pulled out of the cold room and put that. both my males went from like nice rusty red to like black. I mean, they went dark, which, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about, uh, we were talking about, uh, last time with Nick about how like bread lie during breeding season when you're on them, like, okay, cool. Uh, they're going, um, the hog noses are trying to breed the females, which is hilarious because it's like this big female and this tiny little guy like chasing her. And I'm like, I love this. I'll watch this all day. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that I liked. Um, and just trying to just trying to get, see what we can get. It's still a little early. Uh, since the bread lie have now moved out of the cold room, uh, I started dropping it even like the colubrid temperatures. So like that thing went down real far uh, the other day. But of course today was 70 freaking degrees. So, um, yeah, hopefully it, it'll just get cold again so I can actually get some colubrid eggs. Uh, but yeah, other than that, man, just going so and I that, got, I got Hamburg Saturday. So that sort of, um, that like, if it, if it doesn't stay cold, they don't, they don't breed. I've never bred colubrids as you Well, they them. have to, <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they have to go through the brumation and, uh, a lot of times it's like, I used to when I was breeding them like crazy, my college years was just literally pull their heat away and then uh-huh. just like stick them like in the basement or kick them out of the snake room when I was at my mom's place for like Halloween through to April or uh, through to March and then bring them inside again, throw them together. Okay. Um, I'm kind of trying to just do it a different way because then I can try to, I'm trying to basically do it where I can cool everything in the same room. Mm-hmm. Rack and uh, like the bread lie and those guys, but I don't want the bread lie to drop as low as the colubrids. So the problem is now um, all my colubrids are like really still hungry. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for like the corn snakes and the hog noses, but the king snakes, I need to knock it off because if I put them together and they're still like ravenously hungry, that's when problems can happen. So uh, 
I'll probably give them another couple weeks down really colder, warm them back up, feed them, and then I'll put the king snakes and everybody together, and I'll be a nervous cat to make sure that nobody eats anybody. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, one last thing I want to hit on is um, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but uh, Kara from uh, Mm bloodpythons.com, she posted up uh, like a, a little video clip of the uh new pythons of the world volume three uh just really a little pre uh pre look at the book holy shit dude that is gonna be a friggin' awesome book oh my god think about it it's um what is it indo and uh i forget how uh the uh what do you call it? Archipelago. Uh, I can't remember. Now it's freaking slipping my mind. Figures. Anyway, it's basically all those pythons that, you know, are the outliers. Everything from Indonesia, you know, that kind of deal. So. Excellent. Yes. That would be a good book. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, all right. Uh, I guess let's get uh, Ari on and let's find out about uh, this trip this over trip. there. Tate. Yeah. So. Hey Ari, welcome back to Morelli Python Radio. How you been? Good. Hey, how's it going, guys? Doing all right. So, how was the trip? <laughs> uh, it was <laughs> right to the. It was, it was right to it. I want yeah, it right, right, I want it right it, now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a, a really. It was a fantastic trip, actually. Um, aside from getting really, really sick, everything was. Uh, everything couldn't have gone any better. So, um, it was really good. Um, but like I said, I got really, really sick for probably like three or four days. Um, while we were out there, so it was it was really tough. What happened? Did you eat something bad or? Um, I don't know. Uh, it was uh, probably we we had, my uh, travel partner uh, Tom and I were uh, heading out, and we were we were out to a site, and we were hiking out there, and you know doing our thing, and and I probably I got like really I uh, started getting a real um, feverish feeling. And I uh, had everything from like body chills, body aches, high fever, um, nausea, like debilitating stomach cramps, uh, no oh, appetite. Man. It was like oh my God. water down. And uh, we, we had like, we were sharing like these knockoff like Indonesian ibuprofens and that's pretty much all we had. Because he had, um, he, he took a slip and, and hit his hip pretty good uh, on one of the rocks when we were out there. So he was hurting also from that. So he was taking ibuprofen to kill the pain a little bit. And I was taking ibuprofen so I could actually move. And, um, <laughs> but, uh, huh. yeah, it was, it was really rough. It was probably the, I was talking to, um, when I got signal, I, uh, messaged, uh, Keith and Frederick, uh, to let them know what was going on. Cause they had been trying to reach me and find out what was going on. I told them, I was like, man, I was like, I've been doing this for 10 years coming out here. And this is the first time I've actually really gotten scared about, uh, being in the situation out there where I thought I might not actually wake up one night because it was so sick. It was just terrible. So I don't know what I got into, but, uh, it was, uh, it was pretty rough. So it it was a, it was a, it was a rough trip, but it, um, was pretty fantastic. Uh, once I was, um, out of there and kind of laying, laying somewhere besides the floor of the jungle. (laughs) 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 
Yeah, it's uh, rest and relaxation is not really yeah. what I kind of call with the floor of the jungle. Yeah, so. it took me a while. I've been back for coming on almost three weeks now, so it's it's taken me all this time to kind of get right back into the in the routine and everything. This took this trip took a lot out of me, and it like uh, messed me up a little mentally just with what I'm doing out there. It kind of just really set in as far as like, wow, this is really you know, scary shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. Um, so it, it, uh, it hit home, it hit home pretty good this trip, but, um, um, I'll be back in, uh, a few more months to finish what I'm doing. So, uh, the show must Damn. go on. Yes. <laughs> so that's what we were saying before we came on. Um, like yeah. what, what kind of, I mean, you, you gotta have, you gotta have that. I, I don't know what other word to use except passion to drive you to, be yeah. on death door to like it's an I mean, addiction. Still went like out every day. Now, I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's full on like you traveled all that way, right? Right now, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, and uh, it's. I mean, I lost. Let's see, I lost. Uh, I, I've been losing a lot of weight prior to my trip just because of just right. you know trying to get healthier and all that stuff, and sure. and I had lost a lot of weight, probably like close to twenty pounds before I left. And, right. um, I, uh, I dropped about eight and a half pounds in four days when I was out there just from being so sick. Cause like, I literally oh couldn't, I didn't want anything to eat. Like it was very strange. And, um, and I was like forcing water. So like I took a photo when I got out of the jungle, I sent it to my friend and she's like, Oh my God, you look like a skeleton. So I was like, <laughs> wow, I've never been called a skeleton before. So, <laughs> That's a new one. Like, um, right on. God. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. So, but, um, yeah, it was a, it was an incredible trip. Um, got a lot accomplished. I went to a new area that um, I hadn't been before in the same, uh, the Bramo areas where I, I do all my work. So it was in the same general area, but this was in a different spot. And um, we had been trying for the last four to five years to film uh, and photograph eggs hatching. And we've seen, we've seen eggs like hatched like babies, you know, okay. but uh, in, on one occasion, we saw one one baby in the nest, and that was pretty awesome. But I, I've been wanting to really, really be there for this, and we had tried timing it, and it was just like we're always like too early, too late. You know, it's like never was never was working out. We were literally like flying to like the beat of like, oh my god, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen. And we got there, and we hiked out to the spot, and it was just like you know instantly when we got there um the there was a nest that i was that i marked um uh, nest 13 i think it is now um on gps which was good and uh, i looked down in the nest and there was like three babies pipping out of these eggs and i just about shit awesome. myself. that was before i was sick uh, after okay oh, all right literally <laughs> so um but uh yeah so we we got down there and there were the eggs were like in the process of of pipping like as we were there so it was pretty incredible. Um, and, was the mom uh, aggressive ahead. with you guys? Uh, Not at all. I've, I, it's so weird. It, it's such a strange thing. Um, I, I've, I've, I've seen probably close to a dozen wild bolins now. Um, and I've seen, I can't remember how many nests I've come on where females are on eggs. And I've uh-huh. never encountered an aggressive snake at all. Even the snakes that are out basking that I've approached to pick up and move to start examining I've never had a snake try to bite me or be aggressive at all. Everything I've o- I've only been bitten by bones in captivity, and it's, hmm. uh, I tell people that it's such a learned behavior, and I associate it with uh, feeding aggression because they they start familiarizing themselves with that cage opening and its food. But in the wild, 
Um, I've had my hand in a nest with a female on eggs. I've never been bitten on. Um, and this time I was actually, you know, kind of moving carefully this female around uh, to get photographs and to try to get measurements on the babies when they came out and stuff like that. So uh, she was completely placid. She was in her like her zone and uh, she didn't really care. She was very aware of me as well as the babies, but um, she she wasn't uh, defensive or or uh, aggressive at all, which is really interesting. What about the babies? Were they uh... incredible? They're they're just they're they have that such that incredible like little adorable little piggy face where their like snouts are kind of squished in still a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, and um, when I we came up on the nest. Um, we opened up the, you saw the chamber, we opened up the chamber and I saw the eggs right away. And, uh, and then I moved my fingers a little bit around to see where her head was. Cause I didn't want to just all of a sudden like open the nest and her face was right there. And I freak her out. And when I did that, I, I caught a flash of just like this, um, like yoke I saw. And I was like, Oh my God, they're hatching like right now. So I moved everything and, and the babies are like very, their skin is so fragile in, translucent looking it's um it's it it looks like tissue paper that's that's the best way i can describe it and uh, i wow. spoke to frederick a little bit about that before about um how how delicate they are because he asked me if i'd ever seen that before and i said i've seen babies but i've never seen them like right out of the egg and he's like oh my gosh he's like they're so fragile and i was looking at it and, i mean they're it's so i mean you Literally, if you had like a hangnail on, it sounds so gross. If you had a hangnail on your <laughs> finger and you scratched it, I'd be afraid that you'd so thin looking. And, wow. Uh, but it's uh, it's like almost like this uh, faded kind of tomato red uh, color, and then their belly is just very um, very creamish pink color. Um, but uh, yeah, they so they were very um, very aware of us uh, when we were photographing and. Um, kind of moving stuff around. We we tried to be like as uh, careful as we could while we were you know taking photos and stuff like that because I didn't want to dis- disrupt them all that. But we we sat there and um, I took all sorts of uh, data and deployed a couple new data loggers outside of this nest so I could get um, temperature and humidity throughout the year on this one area. So I'll pick that up next January. Um, and um, then I got like uh, barometric pressure and humidity and temperature and all those normal things. And then um, Keith sent me out a, uh, really nice, um, water testing kit and mm-hmm. pH meter. And, um, I did a whole panel on water chemistry, um, right outside of the nest where the water was. And then, um, I took, uh, samples from rainwater also, cause it was raining obviously cause it's the highlands, um, to kind of look at that, to see if, um, there's anything different in the water that they're drinking out there compared to what we have out here. Um, cause that's one of, uh, Keith's, um, big things he's been really interested in and talking to me about. So, so, which was pretty cool. And, uh, I did bacterial samples to see if there was anything like that. And, um, the only thing I didn't get to do, which I was disappointed was I wasn't able to collect any scat, uh, cause I didn't find any, which was different. I did. I found, uh, we found rather some shed, um, in the, in the area. Cause I mean, obviously they always leave shed and scat when you get into the area where there's a nest or there's a snake. Um, and they're always mm-hmm. hanging around that. So we found shed, but didn't find any scat. So, um, but everything else was pretty right on. We set up a couple GoPro cameras out front of the nest and filmed it. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, covered up the nest. And, uh, I, I had spoken to Frederick prior and he was really interested about what was going on at night out there. And, 
as well as me, is just so damn dangerous. Uh, just being able to not just, you know, just being able to move around out there because it's just, it's just like not a world. So being able to function properly at night um, to do anything positive is very difficult. So what we planned to initially do was uh, set up a, a, like kind of a makeshift tent camp site, um, maybe a hundred feet or so from the nest. If we were able to get that close and um, observe everything going on at night, see if we could see any animals cruising around, you know, potential prey items and things like that and, and really get like some of the nocturnal observations. But the weather obviously just how it is there, um, it got really, really, uh, really cold um, in the probably uh, upper 50s, low 60s, um, and the rain was coming down a lot, so it was becoming difficult. We had a really nice camp set up, mm -hmm. um, but it wasn't set up for that kind of an environmental uh, exposure. So what we did was uh, we set all our cameras up on the nest and uh, hiked out about 20 or 30 minutes, and we found this uh, abandoned uh, hunter's hut which was, was pretty rock on. I mean, it was, if, if I was feeling my normal self, I would have been, you know, thrilled uh, to be in there, <laughs> but it was like, you know, it's like, you know, wood thatch and all that stuff. I mean, it's real primitive. And uh, we, uh, it's probably about, I'd say probably close to like 30 feet deep and it's in two chambers in the back chamber. Uh, it's like a sleeping quarter. And then the, in the center is a fire pit. And then the front is an entryway with a small fire pit also. And uh, it was pretty old. So, I mean, I, I just, like basically ditched my boots and just crawled in there. There could have been a mummy in there for all I cared. I just <laughs> laid down, <laughs> laying on the laying on the ground, and I was just done. Done. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I was done. So we, uh, uh, Tom hooked up, a, uh, started working on a fire, and we got a fire going with our guides and everything. I just kind of laid there, and it was just like at that point, um, every couple hours I'd doze out and I'd pass out and like kind of come to, and it was like fever break chills fever break chills uh oh. you know cramps all that stuff and then at the same time we're um you know monitoring all those the nest activity with everything and we're also trying to monitor stuff that's going on outside so it was really difficult we were out there for i think three days three or four days i can't remember and uh get up in the morning and go down and check the nest you know see what's going on they took the one thing was interesting they took a lot a really slow time they were really patient to hatch and i don't know if that was just because we were there and we disrupted uh just you know our presence being there but they uh they were very very slow at hatching uh, they'd come out halfway go back in come out halfway and, and they'd just kind of do that for a while so um by the time we ended up leaving there was about four four i think four of them that were um which I'm gonna call it. Um, four of them that were that were fully pipped, but uh, they weren't all the way out. Uh, mm -hmm. No, I think the back. One of them was all the way out. Yeah, one of them was all the way out. So three of them were fully were almost fully pipped, and one of them was all out um, in that amount of time. And it, I believe it was a clutch of 17 eggs. So it was a pretty good sized clutch. Yeah. But um, yeah. So it, it was rough. Um, I'd never been that sick before, especially um, in such a primitive environment with virtually nothing. Um, to survive uh, <laughs> during that kind of uh, a situation. I'm usually pretty prepared with everything, but uh, it was uh, for the one time that I didn't pack all my medical stuff that I usually bring with me, like, you know, painkillers and oh, you know, ibuprofen and all that stuff. It, the go figure, it didn't happen. It happened. But yeah. Tom didn't get sick. He, he was pretty busted up from his hip and his ankle and stuff because, I mean, that ro the rocks are just 
trails are just so brutal, man. It's, uh, it's, they're just real slick and it's muddy and, uh, it's like a swamp essentially just a Highland swamp and, um, going down these little tiny trails that are like cut between vegetation is just really difficult sometimes to navigate through. And there's like a big boulder and you just bust your ankle or whatever. So it's like, fortunately nobody fell and hurt themselves, but, um, I was shitting my brains out by the end of the, the trip. So <laughs> it was just rough. So, but, uh, and it was funny thing. Cause like, I always have, I always have some weird, funny, bizarre story. I'm like, I'm laying there in yeah. the hut and, and, um, I'm like waking up and kind of in and out of it and whatever. And I'm like, you know, somebody's awake, somebody's asleep. And I'm just like, take my jacket off, put my jacket on. Cause I'm freezing. I'm hot and all this and that. I mm-hmm. wake up and I hear this, these, um, smacking noise, like this really bizarre mechanical, like smack, smack, smack. And uh, I wake up and Tom's smoking a cigarette and, he, and he's like, you all right. And I'm like, I'm like, no, but what's going on? And he's like, <laughs> Oh, you're going to love this. And I'm like, what? And it's like, I think it must've been like, one or two in the morning and it had been, it had been periodically raining throughout the night just because that's how it is. You know, the, the clouds will come through, it'll rain right. early in the morning. You'll usually get a nice shower in the afternoon. Then you'll get a shower right before dark and then you'll get one or two in the middle of the night. So it, it just comes in periodically through the clouds. And, uh, these probably like nine or 10 year old two these two boys, mm. excuse me, were, um, walking through the jungle in the middle of the night and barefoot like they always do in a pair of shorts and, uh, like a ratted old hoodie they were wearing and they're just drenched and uh, they each had these giant fruit bats in their hands. <laughs> what? <laughs> and uh, they walked in and I kind of like looked up and they're standing in the entryway just kind of looking at me and I'm looking at them and they got these fruit bats and I looked at Tom and I was like, what the hell is going on? You yeah. know, like, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, really? And, and uh, I mean, obviously they were out hunting and they caught, they shot these two fruit bats, I think with a slingshot or a rock or something, I don't know. And uh, the smacking noise was them bashing their heads in with sticks out front because they were getting ready to cook them. And it was just so bizarre. Oh, and, I was like, and they came in with these things, and they're just all beaten up and bloody, and they're, they're uh, wanting to borrow, borrow our fire to cook these bass on. And, um, and then they asked us if we wanted to eat them, and I was like, no, I'm not eating those right now. I mean, I've eaten fruit bat before, and it, it actually tastes pretty good, even though okay. it's not recommended to eat bats by any means but that particular moment that probably would have done me and i would have for sure withered up and died in that hut but yeah it was really weird and then they were gone by the morning like i went looking for them and they were gone so. but um yeah so and then, uh, i think after uh day three or four i think it was uh we went we went back down to the because we were monitoring the nest we went back and collected all the gear and everything and um covered up the nest and let everybody finish doing their thing and then right. packed up all our gear and all of our, our first camp we had to break down also because we left it down there. We want to leave it. So we had to go back down and hike it back up and all that stuff. And it was just, right. a, it was a, a brutal one, but um, we did it. And um, the, the environmental data we got and then just the photographic evidence and just like little minute things from seeing everything out there. And just, we can say we're the you know first people to ever see babies pipping out in the wild so that is um, awesome it's pretty incredible so uh yeah. I got the last photos that i needed for um the book stuff that i really really wanted because i was like man i gotta get these photos for this book otherwise it's not going to be finished i was like it's gotta have it's gotta happen so i mean <laughs> yeah. been trying four or five years to do this so um finally paid off uh it was pretty freaking incredible so um well, you but it was nearly die 
you know. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. It was, uh, <laughs> it, was, it was really tough. It was real, um, real scary a couple times just being that sick. And uh, I, I started feeling better about uh, day five or six. Like I was, you know, I still didn't want to eat anything, but I was still like mm-hmm. I was holding, you know, uh, holding myself up easier. And I was able to move around without feeling just completely exhausted and stuff like that. So, but it was good. So. Trip uh, trip changed me a lot, so <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. That is that's insane, and that's uh, awesome. Yeah. But it's like uh, so going back, you said you didn't find any scat around the nest. Is that do you think that's yeah. just because mom's not eating, or they just keep it um, clean? It was. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I mean, being able to observe stuff on the ground is so difficult too. It's just like yeah. uh, the ground is just it, the environment's so crazy. I mean, you guys heard me talk about it before, and it's just like. Mm-hmm. Um, Usually you'll see it. Um, our my guy, our guy friend uh, pointed out the shed real quick when we were walking by, and I was like, because I knew right away that we were getting close because the environment changed right away to that kind of typical Boland's habitat where I was like, okay, we're close. I can tell, you know, foliage is different, vegetation looks good. You know, I was like, oh, we're we're getting close. And uh, then we saw the shed, and I'm like, all right, we're we're probably within ten twenty minutes from where a nest is or something. And typically we'll see sh- uh, scat, but. I mean, we could have walked by it. It could have, you know, washed away in the rain. Who knows? But the female, um, she looked thinner than what I've usually seen as far as females on eggs. Like, this took a toll on her for sure. Um, she looked real thin and, and uh, dehydrated. So she had probably been um, out of food for a while or, or just or out of water for that matter. Didn't want to go anywhere. So. But um, who knows? I mean, uh, I, I don't really know as far as why we didn't see any, but uh, um, it's typically, you know, a, tall, a, a typical sign we, we come across it that it's like, okay, we're close. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty do incredible. You think that, <clears throat> do you think that she didn't leave because of the temperature? You're saying it's, it's pretty possible. cold, I mean, right? It was, it was perfect. I mean, it was, it's, the, it's the normal. I mean, I was really feeling it more or less just because I was starting to get really sick. So, I mean, right. uh, typically the temps there that we, we see stuff is, you know, in the mid sixties, I mean, we see our, you see your breath when you're breathing. I mean, so it's cold. Um, and then mixed with the rain. Um, but it's great. I mean, every time, you know, uh, I've opened up a nest chamber, you feel that five to 10 degree temperature change hit your face. Um, wow. like immediately the temperature, um, and the substrate inside is, you know, it's earth, you know, with root and everything in there, it's from these couscous burrows that they take over. And, um, it's, it's damp, but it's not wet as opposed to everything else around. It. I mean, the whole environment is essentially like a big lichen cover sponge. Uh, the humidity is off the chart. Um, it's just wet, wet, wet. And, um, it's always strange to me that you have such a large animal that's so specific and all this environment is so like non, you know, welcoming to something like this, especially to us, um, <laughs> yeah, to right. be walking around in, uh, that you'd find an animal that's, you know, eight to nine feet living in this kind of an environment. And it's, you know, has no problem. I mean, they're, I was telling, uh, Keith, I was like, man, these things are like in tuned with exactly what they know what to do. It's like, they are like designed to a T for this environment. And it's, it's fascinating that they're able to maintain this. I mean, you put another Python out there, they're going to be dead. Um, yeah these things are just in, insane. They're just incredible um, with what they can do. So That's how, awesome. how tight was she coiled around the eggs? Is, she, is, is it like she a was, tight coil? 
Yeah, it was real tight coil. I mean, the whole chamber itself was probably, like I said, like I've said before, it's pretty close to the size of a basketball. Uh, so she goes in, I mean, couscous, you know, is, they're, they're a reasonable size. They're probably like small to medium size, you know, like possum, I guess you could say. It's probably the easiest way to kind of understand them. Mm-hmm. She goes in and then she'll kind of push around that area to make more of, more of a room at that. But it's certainly tight. Uh, and she's on those eggs uh, pretty tight because, like, I was moving them around a little bit to see if anybody was underneath them that was out and everything like that. And, and they were pretty um, compact in there with her. She was she was on them pretty good. I've still never seen them uh, shivering or anything like that um, or doing any kind of twitching or anything um, when I've come on them or filmed them. Uh, not to say they don't, but I've never seen it before. Uh, it's just, just that little chamber is just so perfect. It's just, I mean – Probably, uh, I think the temp was uh, 78, 75, 78, and then whatever she was putting off also. So those eggs are probably wow. low, to, low to mid-80s, I'd say, close to that. Um, yeah, probably hmm. close to that temperature. So it's, it's pretty fascinating. I, mean, I was like walking yeah. around. I was like, Jesus, this is insane. Like, the snake is <laughs> sitting here looking at me, and she's got three heads poking out on these eggs. I was like, wow. I was like, um and the eggs are, you know, a nice size. I mean, they're nothing uh, abnormally large by any means, but they're, you know, decent python egg, probably pretty close to a carpet python or, or an amethystine. Um, okay. And they're all, you know, clustered up in that perfect basketball size, you know, or right. cluster rather. So you said that um, you took some size measurements on the captive or the babies. I was going to say, how does it compare to like captive hatched or – they're pretty comparable. Uh, the, I'm trying to remember what the measurements were. They were like uh, 13 to 16 inches, I'd say. I want to. The one I had out was around that size. Um, okay. And the weights I have. I had the weight written down. I I spaced out on uh, remembering it for you guys. But um, <laughs> as far as um, captivity, uh, they're pretty comparable on on size, I'd say. Um, the real interesting thing was, I mean, I've, I've seen baby. We saw that one baby uh, one time in the nest, uh, and I mean, I've seen babies in person that are, you know, you know, neonates and stuff, but I've never seen a baby actually pipping to see that um, scenario happen itself, and then observe what what the females doing um, around them and how the babies are acting and everything like that too. So it was very, very interesting to see it actually happening, you know, in front of me. Um, right. Yeah, it was just incredible. I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that is awesome. I mean, yeah. the uh, with, with with the babies coming out. I mean, you said you only had one that was fully out when you guys were leaving. Yeah, right? one was um, one was fully out, and uh, okay, was it three, three, four? Yeah, there was three pipping, and one uh-huh. was fully out by the end of the day when we left, or the the by the uh, last day when we left. So they they took a long, they took slower than I would have thought. Yeah, come out, but but I mean they they had no rush. I mean everything was perfect in there. And then um, I've I've um, spoken to the the locals that that watch them, and they they tell me that the babies stay in the nest until they shed, um, which I thought was kind of interesting because Frederick and I have gotten into kind of a conversation about that as far as how how like um, reclusive they are uh, and how reluctant they are to move around, uh, especially after they shed or uh, until they shed rather. Um, which okay. could kind of give some, um, you know, substantiate some, you know, information towards the, that being 
factual that they actually do stay in there. I mean, it's a perfect environment for them to stay in. But I mean, once they're gone, I mean, I was talking to Tom, I was like, man, I was like, where do these things go afterwards? And I'm like looking around, I'm like, the ground's wet, it's 60 degrees, it's raining. I'm like, these things are like red noodles. I'm like, you know, yeah, they're going to disappear, right. but it's like, how are they going to maintain themselves? I'm like, it's so like, uh, it's like, you know, a dangerous environment for these things and just not comforting. Um, so it was really interesting to see, you know, um, the behavior and how they were reacting when me, when I was moving around stuff and taking photos and with the female and all that stuff. It was really interesting. They're really observant, which is cool. So uh, that's a, a normal behavior I've seen with babies before, but uh, it was cool to see that they were exhibiting that when they were coming out also. Wow. Was it the typical? With, oh, go ahead, Owen. I mean, like with the one that was out was York Yoka absorption. Did, did it have like a full belly or was it like, you know, uh, it still had some yolk on it. It, it still okay. had yolk still hanging a little bit. Um, okay. And I just kind of, just kind of scooped it up, just, you know, mm-hmm. in my hand and it was just kind of like, Hey, um, but um, it was, it still had a little bit of yolk um, attached and um, which I'm going to call it, but um, there wasn't a lot, <clears throat> excuse me. There wasn't a lot. So, um, but um, yeah, I mean, it was perfect, perfect looking babies, flawless. Um, it was just, it was just incredible. <laughs> and then uh, I was like trying to get back to the first at first because I kept wanting to go look through my camera and be like, I can't believe I'll sit down and look at what I did. And I'm like looking at this and I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, I can't believe we just watched this. And I've got cameras about 30 minutes away sitting on this nest right now waiting for these things to hatch out. <laughs> like, you know, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> that's, that's awesome, though. Yeah. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, oh shit! Now I forgot my question. I, oh, it's, um, yeah, it's over. Yeah. What's the time frame um, that they typically have their first shed? I don't know that, if I ever you know, that. I don't that. really know. Um, okay, that would be a good <laughs> question. So Frederick, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to say I, I would probably say within the first couple of weeks, maybe. Um, okay. That would probably make sense to me. I mean, they're still absorbing that, you know, all that embryonic stuff and. Um, I would say probably within the first couple of weeks that that would probably be their first shed, I would think. Um, and what? And then I they're supposed to. The, go ahead. I was going to say this is going to be a weird question, but what go time of day was it when they mm-hmm. were hatching? Oh, it was. I mean, it was in the. Let's see. It was. It was in the daytime, and it was. Oh, what time was it? Uh, like maybe ten or eleven, I'd say. Yeah, okay. so it was. It was in the daytime. They had a. Uh, and they were when I when I came when we got there first when I started looking there was I think there was two out or two two slits with two noses sticking out first and then one other one and then the other one came out the other one one of them could have been out already in the back but I just didn't see it but um they, yeah they had been pipping um in the daytime which was kind of odd too so but I mean that whole chamber is all dark and everything and perfect so I mean mm-hmm. I don't really know if they have a kind of like a an awareness to the the time or whatever, what's going on. I think it's just when a, when a good time is present, they're going to go for it. Do, do we know about how long, like after everybody's out, does mom stick around for a little bit or is she off to the race? I don't know. Um, well, that, that's one of the things I'm going to be trying to figure out this next time. I'm going to be trying to implement this telemetry equipment that I'm working on getting right now. And, uh, looks mm-hmm. like I've got, um, somebody that's going to be, uh, donating um, money so I can pick up all that equipment, which would be pretty, pretty awesome. So, um, cause I'd like to see where, I'd like to see where they go uh, once they're done or 
how far they go when they're not done or, <laughs> um, <laughs> or if there's any, where the males go. Uh, you know, that's my, that's my plan is to tag a male and tag a female. Um, and, uh, see if there's any difference in behavior as far as range goes on, on the sexes or if they stay in the same area or how active they are in daytime or how active they are in general. I think that'll really open up a lot of um, information for us if we can find out um, what they do in the daytime. Or, I mean, we can see what they do in, you know, in captivity, but obviously it's limited to this size of the enclosure, but it'd be interesting to see what they're doing in the wild. If they're, you know, there's no limits as far as do they really, really favor these certain areas? Because I've found old eggs, uh, old eggshells on females with new eggs before, which would give me the impression that they utilize the same nest. Um, if it's a, you know, optimal nesting area. Yeah. So, uh, right. should be, this would be a really good way to find out, um, or just to see in general what they're doing. Um, and to be just say badass. I mean, we're taking telemetry on Boland's pythons in the wild. Nobody's done it. So, <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be a lot of work, but uh, it'll be pretty cool because right now I'm um, I'm working with uh, talking to a couple companies and one company right now uh, they track uh, dragonflies. So I'm gonna be using these pinpoint GPS loggers that are gonna go on uh, these two snakes and they'll basically report GPS locations every six hours and I'll do it for a year and then I'll come oh, back cool. out right before yeah right before the the GPS data. Uh, batteries die, I'll go out and then I'll track them with a VH, uh, I think it's a VHF uh, receiver and um, download all the data and see what they've done for the year. So it should be pretty awesome. Wow. That is That's so cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, I could, uh, I'm really excited to see. I mean, if they just sit there like turds, you know, on a log, then who cares? <laughs> we'll still know, you know, but, but if they cruise around, but um, I'm really interested to find out. Uh, where these males are and how they find these females. If there's like a couple males that hang out in a certain area, but I think a lot of this shed and the scat that these these snakes are leaving everywhere are just big markers, these biological markers for other animals to find them because the area is so just vast. Uh, I don't know. Right. I'd kind of be a little disappointed if you did all that and then we found out they didn't uh-huh. move. It's like, oh <laughs> well, know, all I'd right. Still <laughs> I'd still be excited to be like, man, I was like, I was like, well, now we know. <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> it's like, all right, let's find two more and try it with the other two. Maybe we just got two lazy ones. Right. Oh God, yeah. that would yeah. You know, yeah, that's awesome though. Every time I, you know, I've I've never I've never had Bolins. I've only seen uh-huh. them twice, but. Every time that, you know, we talk to you, these thoughts just pop into my head and <laughs> I'm thinking like, yeah. do you think that maybe one of the issues with the female, uh, like not um, ovulating is the fact that maybe the nest box are too big? Like maybe well, she you know, needs there's, to feel. Yeah, that's, that's one of uh, that topic came up a while ago, actually, uh, about uh, nest boxes being, you know, like it really tight and really confined, which is, um, it's a, it's a really strong possibility. I mean, obviously the ones in the wild are these really tight kind of nesting chambers and everything. So I think it really, it it could certainly be a big factor. I think having, I think having all the elements lined up, including that, um, are just, um, you know, the, you know, plan for success. So I think it's just not one thing. It's gotta be multiple things. Sure. Um, aligned basically. And, and I love using Keith's um, saying, you know, the rhythm of the room. So everything, the rhythm of the room has to be just right, you know, so um, right. including, you know, nest box and temperature and basking time and basking access and, you know, when animals are paired with animals and if it's not too early, if it's not too late, 
feeding schedule and what they're feeding on. I think these are these snakes are clearly um, uh, much more specialized than um, a lot of other species, and I don't want to downgrade other species by any means because they're all fantastic. But I think these are incredibly different than uh, other taxa. Uh, just because of what they are capable of enduring and um, how difficult it is proven still um, to be able to reproduce them with any kind of consistency on any level in captivity, um, uh, as well as what we're seeing in the wild too. I mean, just how specific they are in their requirements and what they, what they requ- what they're looking for, I should say, you know, and, and what they favor. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't think that they're equal to say diamond pythons. But when you look at them, mm-hmm. because of the climate that they're from, they're very yeah specific in their you know yeah needs in captivity. You know, and like when you figure exactly. it out, it's not that hard. But it's just figuring yeah. it out. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, and I mean, it's you know, I I uh, I talk to I talk to Frederick a lot. I talk to Keith a lot, and we. I mean, we're bouncing ideas like nonstop off, off each other every day. I mean, I was talking to Keith and Frederick today and I was talking to Frederick and he's like, you know, I still really don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know what you're doing. You're doing it. <laughs> and it's like, you, you know, just want to slam the phone on the desk. He's cued in so well on his animals, specifically right. what they do and how they right. behave. And, and that's what he that's what he's aware of. And I don't know if he understands that, but that's his, that's his, his gift right there with what he's doing is he's aware of the behavior and what they're, what they're reading. What, you know, he's able to read what they're doing. And a lot right. of people don't do, can't do that. Um, and uh, I think that's really helping uh, with what he's doing. So I know Keith and I are constantly trying to figure out how that relates to animals and other collections. And then, um, you know, I'm trying to relate, see how that relates to what I'm seeing in the wild. And it's right. like night and day. And I, and I keep telling, you know, Keith and Frederick, cause it's like, they're, you know, they keep asking like, Oh my gosh, I want to go see this. And it's just like, you know, I came to the realization this last trip. It's like, man, I know I get people ask me all the time. Oh, I'd love to go with you. And I'd love to go with you. And I'm like, Oh yeah, we can do this. And I'm like, you know what? After this last trip, I'm like, man, I'm not bringing anybody. I was like, this is really dangerous. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, this is not, I was like, this is not like, you know, going on a trip and taking photos. I was like, this is like, you could die. Like, this is really, this, this trip really yeah. opened up my eyes on the, on some of the stuff I see and, you know, and I'm doing it. It's like, it's really dangerous stuff. I'm in really dangerous areas. Uh, I mean, I could, you know, fall off a cliff and I'm toast or, you know, I die in that hut and I turn into a mummy. Nobody finds me. It's a, you know, right. um, it's a serious place. And, and but I, at the same time, it's like, I told them, I was like, the other aspect is, I don't want to take Frederick and and um, and uh, Keith because uh, I don't want to throw Frederick's good fortune off by seeing all these other things <laughs> and he thinks it's something else he's doing and it throws him off the routine and that he doesn't he's not able to breed him again. So right, um, yeah, that's the other thing. Um, and I told that to Keith also. I said, man, I was like, it's just so. I go, it's so bizarre. It's just such a, it's such a strange place that you would not expect to find an animal like this in that's what blows my mind and um, how it relates to captive conditions and uh, captive behavior and the successes just still doesn't add up. Uh, There's similarities that we're, that we're being able to address like humidity, which we're finding out is a huge factor right now. Keith and I and Frederick have been speaking about, about how critical that is um, right now with husbandry and, 
that's just one factor that I'm like, okay, I can see that on the wild because everything's flipping wet everywhere. Humidity's off the chart, but it's like, you know, UV exposure and, you know, sunlight and, you know, feeding and all this stuff. I mean, I, you know, these animals, you know, we go onto a basic routine of feeding our animals, for an example, you know, every 10 to 12 days, I think these things maybe eat once a month if they're lucky. Um, mm-hmm. And their activity, sh- you know, is their activity budget is just like, you know, they're going to shack up somewhere after they eat and that's it. And then they're going to go off. So it's like, you know, there's so many different variables that um, I'm constantly running in my head and off other people while I'm out there. And then when I come back to and kind of regain my normality of, of life and I'm like, okay, where was I at? Let me think of what I saw and going through photos and video and still can't figure it out. (laughs) I was going to ask that question, like what it must be like inside your head the night after you see, you know, uh, you know, the Bowens in the wild in a hut in the middle of nowhere where it's, you know, it's probably like quiet and, you know, just like, I mean, it's incredibly (laughs) peaceful and just, I mean, it's, I mean, and at the moment, at that moment, I was just like in agony. And then I was thinking to myself, like, gosh, like, I love this. I'm out here, you know, with the moment where I'm not in pain and I'm not shivering and my teeth are chattering and I'm right. sweating, and, you know, <laughs> you know, not wearing underwear because it's pointless because I'm just going to shit them. You know, it's right. like, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, in, it's an incredible place. It's, it's still a primitive area. It's still so remote i'm you know i'm out here looking at this animal that is a holy grail of Mm -hmm. of pythons still in my opinion and i'm looking at it out of the wild and i'm looking at its eggs and i'm looking at the eggs hatching and and i'm seeing the environment that it's in and it's beautiful and it's spiritual to an extent and it's surreal and it's just all these incredible emotions and then i'm trying to relate it to talking to all these incredible people that are working with these snakes, you know, that I'm fortunate enough to talk to um, and try to figure out like, how do we keep these things going still? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's uh, right. And then on the other side of it, looking at it's like, okay, how do I protect these things in the wild? You know, because right. what do I need, what do I need to do to keep doing this? You know? So um, it's a, it's a lot of, uh, emotion and it's a lot of uh my I mean, my mind's constantly running and then at the same time i mean tom and i are usually cracking up at something ridiculous and it happened to be <laughs> the bat boys that came through well yeah that's <laughs> so a little bizarre. ridiculous but yeah <laughs> but it's new guinea that's how it is it's it's, it's just what it's, it's new guinea it's you know i i explain that to people like you never know what's gonna happen it's like you know you know it's whether it's you know I'm having to pay off, you know, some axe wielding drunken crazy pop wins because they want me to pass through the road and they want five bucks or, you know, some <laughs> kids in the middle of the night shooting bats wanting to <laughs> eat them in my tent or eat them in my hut. So, uh, it's, um, who knows, you know, it's, uh, but it, it's worth it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I wonder, can't stop, can't stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I wonder, like, no. because these uh, species is so specialized, um, is tweaking it, like, is, 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 do you think that that may hurt more than it may get you success? It's, uh, uh, like the constant uh, tweaking again, of, like, meaning, like, okay, we're trying to breed them, and this is going to be my, what I try this year, whether, you know, let's just say I drop the temps, I give UV, uh-huh. uh, you know, and humidity, 
and then you don't get nothing. Yeah. And then the next season yeah. you say, okay, I'm going to take away the UV and I'm going to, you know what I mean? Do you think that maybe like think, the constant tweaking maybe? Oh yeah, of up? course. Um, because the one thing with, with Bolins that I've learned over the, over the years working with them is uh, routine is very important. Maintaining mm-hmm. constant routine uh, seems critical in my opinion. Um, and I mean, obviously a lot of times when people, you know, get into the, you know, the Bolins, you know, scene and they're wanting to be, to produce them and everything. And unfortunately a lot of them aren't successful. And then all of a sudden, you know, they sell the pair and they go here and they go there and they get changed and they go to this cage and they go to that cage, you know, everything is different. So there's a shock for the animal itself. And I'm, and I feel that it takes a long time for them to acclimate back to a, a stable routine. And, um, and uh, whatchamacallit. So w- with that being said, I-, I think the most important thing right now that I've discussed uh-huh. with several people like Frederick and and, uh, and Keith, because I've been speaking to them a lot lately mm-hmm. uh, after this trip, is is being able to make them happy. It's just making them happy and comfortable to be able to try to um, meet all the expected requirements that we know work. And right. not approach them as an animal that we're going to breed, but rather maintain healthy and happy. And whether that be appropriate humidity, appropriate feeding regimen, appropriate ultraviolet light exposures, enclosure size, substrate, you know, yada, yada, that, right. be, the, that be the issue as opposed to addressing the reproductive side of it. Because a lot of it is we're probably trying to reproduce animals that are not happy, that are not being mm-hmm. maintained correctly, where mm-hmm. we're losing those certain valuable um, factors that are key factors, but they're simple factors that we're overlooking or not addressing because we're at the point of we need to try to breed them as opposed to we need to try to keep them. Um, and that is a huge thing that we've been discussing lately as far as what the appropriate way to maintain these snakes are. And, right. um, and, and realistically, if we're maintaining them correctly, where they're, where they're happy, reproduction shouldn't be an issue. Right. Um, right. They should want to because, reproduce, right? <laughs> exactly. And then we can, right. and then we can get to the point where Frederick's at, where he's able to look at his animals and say, Oh, okay, this is, this is the time now, you know, it's time for me to put my animals together. Um, right. as opposed to, I'm going to get these snakes. Okay, here we go. This is the first year I got them. I'm going to drop them to 58 degrees uh, right. for six months, and we're going to breed them, as opposed to acclimating, acclimating animals for a year or two to your routine to get the, the rhythm of the room, like Keith says, and right. get everything everything maintained where it's you know a, a, a routine and a stable routine where you're able to meet everything, and then uh, the uh, addressing of the reproductive stage would, would present itself. And if, if it's, you know, and, and you would think, like you said, they, they should be wanting to reproduce that that should present itself. And, and that can be a huge factor as far as why there's not a lot of success because a lot, you know, unfortunately these snakes change hands a lot as far as snakes go. I think bullets, pythons uh, change hands more than any reptile I've ever, <laughs> ever experienced or heard about because, You'll get somebody that'll buy a whole group of these snakes, try to breed them for the first year, doesn't get any luck, tries it again, doesn't get any luck, says, ah, to hell with it, and then sells them. And then group animal A goes here, animal B goes here, animal C, yada, yada, goes here and here. And then, you know, then it's going to take those animals four or five years to acclimate to something that they might consider comfortable. And then they might repeat the same damn process of being switched hand again. Um, So 
um, they need to be in stable collections with comp with, with people that are uh, competent enough to be able to maintain them to the point of maintaining the animals and not be discouraged about not being able to reproduce them because of that. And, and eventually it should happen. Um, I mean, uh, that's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing that we've been discussing right now, as far as, you know, with, with husbandry, with the bull and I and everything, and then, then reproduction, because we know realistically what we need to wise and cycling and, and what to look for, follicle development versus ovulation and feeding regimens and UV exposure and basking time and basking temp and all that stuff. We all we know all that because we've been focusing so much on that. Mm-hmm. that we're lacking all the we're lacking all the basics of the husbandry and we really need to work on the husbandry aspect of of keeping bolins because I feel that uh, this year uh, Bull and I took a big hit. A lot of a lot of animals and collections. Uh, got sick or uh, passed away, um, and um, for whatever reason, uh, the animals weren't being maintained um, either um, correctly. Uh, without you know, uh, you know, not pointing fingers or anything, but just not being um, maintained correctly, or there was factors we just weren't uh, aware of that you know we could have been more observant of, uh, as opposed to trying to breed and just maintaining. Right. There's right. my little soapbox right there for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with you. I think um I think Frederick's in a good spot where yeah. you know, if he's saying that I think he can tweak because he's yeah. figured out how to do it. So maybe if he's not getting, you know, um maybe if he's getting more slugs than he wanted to, or maybe, you know, yeah. he's trying to get a bigger clutch or whatever the case could be, then, you know, I think he's in a position where he's like, Okay, these animals feel comfortable enough to breed. Maybe exactly. I have to do something different so that the, I have better success. You know. Yeah, it's um in a lot of ways I, it's like, you know, it's like when you're you know, you hear all these uh these parents when they're at like the pet store with the kid and the kid wants a sulcata tortoise and, and they're mm-hmm. like, Oh, I realize you're going to have it when you're in college. You know, it's like, you know, it's like <laughs> Bull and I are, Bull and I are not an investment. Bull and I are an, an animal to maintain, you know, indefinitely in your collection, you know, right. without mm-hmm. the intent or the idea of, of getting rid of. Um, and they should maintain, uh, you should they should be maintained in, in a collection forever. If you're going to get them, they there should be no idea of getting rid of them. That's the thing, because that way they can be maintained on a routine and a and in a rhythm of the room. You know that way they're they're mm-hmm. there. They're part of the collection and they're not going to move. Um, and and I think that is a big a big thing um, when owning uh, this particular species that um, that they're not an investment snake. You're not going to get rich. And I've said this before. You're not going to get rich selling and breeding bones pythons. Um, but you're, you're going to get a lot out of maintaining them for successful periods of time and learning about what their requirements are and, and, and the best way to maintain them. And, and, and that's what we're really coming into now uh, with these last couple of years. I mean, like we're really coming into some really good information and, and observations um, to, to maintain healthy and successful animals in, in captivity. And, and then we can address the reproductive stage. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to breed them this year too. I mean, obviously, and Keith's working on it. And uh, I think Frederick said he was going to try to uh, take, possibly take a break this year because he just moved um, and he moved his collection to a, a, a new place. So he's having, 
issues also trying to maintain his appropriate levels for everything like, you know, like we all are. So, um, right. right. He's trying to get his routine back. So, um, but, um, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I've been raising my animals since they were uh, hatchlings. So, um, I know a lot of people also have too. So I think that's an important thing is to keep that, um, that in mind when you, when you, you have, you keep these animals that these are an, these are a, a lifelong animal. They're not an animal that's going to be sent off if you get frustrated or, or whatever, because that potentially could screw them in the long run as far as any kind of success, um, at a later date. Sure. Yeah. I think the same problem happens with scrubs. I think that's, I yeah. mean, I'm oh, guilty yeah, of it, I you know? <laughs> Uh, they're, they're, they're as sensitive as uh, they're as sensitive as bull and I. They're a very unique species of snake. Um, they're uh, more temper, you know, the, the, they're more temperament to certain things. I mean, it's um, they're they're not as hardy as other animals, and I think routine plays a huge factor in in just maintaining certain animals like the scrubs and, and the bullens too. Um, uh, as far as you know, to do it right. Yeah, you bring up a I, – I can't remember where I saw it, but I was reading somebody's post today, and they were talking about, you know, I don't know if it was Bolins. I think it was Scrubs that they were talking about. Uh-huh. And somebody had just had them um, – I think they were in a pet shop, and basically they put them in the front yeah. window. And, yeah. then you know, they never had the intention of breeding them, and yeah. they just bred, you know? Nice. <laughs> and you're like – I think oh, I saw that. I think I – I think I heard about that one, or I saw, I read it the other day, or something like that. Yeah, they put them out there and they just bred for whatever reason. Just, it's like, oh, okay. right, something they yeah. liked. I mean, it was just like they're they were happy for whatever reason. You know, it was. Uh, I th- I think that's. Uh, I think we kind of take that for granted for a lot of times with our animals. It's like you know you got to make them happy. That's the thing. You got hit all those requirements that they need. Um, right. And uh, and and the reproductive aspect of it should be the the easiest part. You know of of doing it. I think it was, now that I'm thinking of it, I, I think I might have been on the Bowens group, and they were talking about windows in your okay. room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that. Yeah. Yep, that was. There's been a lot of talk on there uh, lately, uh, especially the um, the hybrid uh, Bowens carpet, too, that popped up. That was really <laughs> interesting. That was a really oh, interesting Oh, that discussion. came back. Uh, yeah, that came back. Uh, Keith brought it up, and I thought it was um, addressed really well. I, I um I'm always hesitant when, when that topic comes up just because it's a hybrid. And I think some, I, I mean, I'm not against it. I mean, I, I, I've seen some incredible hybrids. Like, uh, I mean, there's some insane sure. stuff out there mm-hmm. and everything. And um, the whole concept of breeding a bull into a carpet was like, at first I was like, Oh my God, why would you do that? But on the, <laughs> but I can see why it was, <laughs> but I can see why it was done. Uh, not just um, to prove a point uh, that it can be done, um, right. you know, but, uh, it was, it was definitely interesting, um, to, to say the least, um, as far as, uh, that it, that it happened and everything. And, uh, maybe, you know, for whatever reason, um, you know, the female, female bull and I are just, they're just so, they're just very finicky, not finicky. I hate to see that word. They're just very unique, uh, with their requirements. Um, and, and it could be the fact of just, like I said, they're just not happy. They don't have what they want. Um, right. And, uh, the, the, I mean, cause you would think like the reproductive stuff would be the easy part. The keeping them alive would be the hard part. And it typically, <laughs> it, it, sometimes it still is. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it can be, it can be very difficult. So, I mean, I know a lot of captive animals that have been collections for years and all of a sudden you just come in one day and they're upside down. Um, so uh, there's different things with it. So, um, but yeah, I, um, I, I remember that, that post that was up there about the, uh, the windows. That was interesting. <clears throat> 
for sure. But I mean, it does kind of make sense with these animals being so dark and where they're from being so cold. It, it almost seems like the sun would kind of have to play into, like you said, making them happy. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, the sun, the humidity, you know, uh, your environment, I mean, there's so many different factors, um, that are, are critical, I think. Um, and I think we're just starting to kind of see it now, um, as far as, um, what works and what doesn't. Um, and I mean, like I said, we have access to these babies that, that come in mm-hmm. and they just really take off well. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, I, I still know babies that, you know, pass away still, you know, because they're just not maintained pro- appropriately. But, um, for the most part, most of them that are, are brought into collections usually flourish. Um, and uh, it's interesting uh, to see if we have any um, – um, I don't think there's been any babies that have been raised up that have produced. I think these are all old animals that have oh, – no, maybe I take that back. Yeah, I think I take that back. Not many, anyways. Is Frederick getting close to possibly getting – I mean, when, when, what, when was his first clutch? I don't remember, but <laughs> any whole uh, just got well, getting up there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His animals, I mean, his animals have good, uh, I think, gosh, I don't even want to say, I think they're maybe like in their 10, 10 12, around that age. Uh, I don't, okay. I'm, I'm not sure. I've got them written down. I got everything that he's ever told me written down. <laughs> um, <laughs> like in a fold, yeah, in a fold. And then he laughs at me uh, when I write it all down because I asked him it like 10 or 12 more times. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, his, I mean, his, and I know he's brought in uh, a couple new, a uh, couple other animals into his group too that he's working with also that he's, acclimating into uh his routine as well so um it should be interesting i i've got i mean obviously i i know he's going to produce more in the future uh if he takes this year off um to get his guys um acclimated to his new room and his routine i'm sure next year he'll produce um produce again once everything is back to normal right <laughs> yeah and, and i still think uh I still his think Keith back. has a good shot at it too. So uh, I know Keith's been doing a lot of cool stuff with his animals. So, um, but it's just like with Bolins. I mean, it's just like you know, you know, you never know. That's the thing. It's uh, mm. we're we're still not at a point where it's like you know, okay, this animal's gravid or this animal, you know, took. I saw a lot of you know really great reproductive behavior with the with the animals I'm working with this year, but I, I don't want to say yes or no because I've been down this road before. So um, <laughs> right. I've seen things that. Uh, I've seen things that I've done this year that, or this time that I, that I didn't see last time, which were interesting, but uh, I mean, it doesn't mean anything. So, um, right. Until I, until I've got a snake that's not eating and, uh, until I see eggs, I'm not going to be convinced. <laughs> right. Till you see that beehive when you, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Unmistakable. I mean, got, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I got beehive behavior, uh, early on, uh, during my, um, cycling with a uh, follicular development, which is like that early stage, which a lot of people initially would mistake for ovulation because it's just so apparent when that female is developing follicles. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I got some really, really nice like swelling and stuff like that, which looked really good. And that's, that was my, my sign right there to stick my males in. So, or, so I stuck my guys in there and my, my males are five or six, five or six. Yeah. So they're young males, but, uh, got a lot of courting and I got a lot of spurring and everything. So I figure if, um, uh, if that was an interest, uh, I should hopefully, uh, have gotten a lockup or two. So I'm hoping, so if my guys were interested enough, you know, we'll see what happens. 
So yeah. here's something I'm curious about. Yeah. Like with the babies, you're getting these captive hatch babies yeah. in and, you know, you're setting them up and you're doing your routine. Do you run them through a cycle like you would adults? Yeah. Or do you wait? To, yeah, you know? I, I, um, I do also, yeah. Um, I, I expose them Good. to cool temperatures. I'm not crazy. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, uh, definitely. Um, um, it, depending, I mean, obviously, I uh, in in moderation too. I'm not going to drop sure. them like really cool. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely expose it to them. Um, I um, I do give the babies longer basking time uh, as opposed okay. to the adults. Um, okay. And and the reason I do that is just because I don't know what the babies do in the wild, and right. um, so I can't validate cutting their light cycle off, even though I think they probably are underground most of the time. Um, but I'm kind of trying to push them through that real sensitive baby stage. So sure. uh, I give them more basking access because I'd rather them be warmer than colder and have a risk for RI and have to treat a little freaking neonate animal. So, but, With but yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, exactly. I definitely expose them to cooler temperatures during the season uh, and let them experience right. it and, and, and they seem to be fine as long as they can come out and bask for a few hours and do their routine. They're they're good to go. I mean, they're they're very hardy snakes. Um, they're very easy to maintain if you know how to maintain them. That's the thing. Right. Hmm. Just very specific. Uh, yeah. Very requirements specific. if you meet it. Then, you know, yeah. The very specific requirements and um, incredibly specialized. I mean, it's just the best way to describe it. And it's hard because you can't really give them justice in captivity uh, to see that behavior. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you can only really see it in the wild from when you see it, and you're like, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> in captivity, you're just like, wow, this animal's – you know, I got I got my guys – I got my room to like 58. I think it was – I think it was 58 this year. I think that was the coldest I went. Uh-huh. And, um, and they were out every morning you know, basking for a couple hours and then they're gone in their boxes. Then they're out basking again next morning, eating, defecating, urinating, doing their normal thing. Um, I mean, they're incredible. And then I was, I was worried because when I was gone, I, I put, I put these wireless cameras on, on my, uh, in my snake room and, uh, mm-hmm. digital wireless, <laughs> uh, uh, temperature gauges so I could monitor everything when I had a signal. So I'm walking out and I'm like worried. I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope it doesn't get too cold while I'm gone and I'm out there. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Ari. I was like, this is freaking cold out here. My snakes are fine. At home. <laughs> you know? like, like, They're all right. We're fine. God yeah, damn. We're good. I was like, I got at least another 10 degrees before I'm starting to worry. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Nice. That's awesome. I'm thinking. Oh, I'm right here. You had that sound. Off. No, no, no! You I've have that sound you like you're going to ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, yeah, whatever. Whatever's Ari's on, it's one of those like hey, we got to trigger ready to like the science spring. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta ask questions. The hell do I ask? <laughs> and then like Ari's oh, talking, God. I'm like, that's a good one. And then I forget it. <laughs> so it's yeah. like it's gone now. And, but, I, and I apologize too. I'm still kind of like, I, like I said, this trip mentally messed me up. So uh, it was kind <laughs> of like an eye opener. So I'm, I'm a little off still. Um, but. Um, you know, it was. Uh, no, you're great, man. We're the. No, you're we're fine. The we're idiots. Yeah. But, um, we're no, 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 no. I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot too. I'm an idiot oh, too. My question would be, I guess Ari, uh, you did a lot of the water uh, tests this yeah. go around. Did you find anything cool about the water uh, necessarily around the nest? Um. Oh, so I, 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 um, I had, to be honest with you, I haven't really uh, gone over all that data yet. But okay. I, 
when I was doing it out there, I didn't see anything that really caught me off guard. Um, <clears throat> rather, excuse me. Um, I I did you know pH and uh, I did a bacteria thing. See if there's anything out there, and um, I didn't find anything that was really like stood out right off the bat. Okay. Um, but what I'm going to do is um, probably this weekend because um, it's been I've been playing catch up with everything. Still three week, almost three weeks later playing catch up. Um, I'm going to probably send all that stuff over to Keith because he sent it all to me, and I'm going to let him um, have the excitement of going through it and seeing if <laughs> if, he's, if if I found anything that he likes. Because I know he's like, oh, I'll send this out. And I was like, all right, cool. But I'm keeping the pH pen, Keith. I'm keeping the pH pen. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, small so, price uh, to we'll pay. See if, um, yeah, that's right. So we'll see. Um, I mean, it's, if anything, it's you know, it's nobody's collected water samples, um, you know, in West Papua from the Boland's habitat. So it's that's interesting as it is right there. And, yeah, um, it should be cool. I mean, find out I, I, I do also fear what Keith's going to make you do next. You might be like, find out the nu- find the nutritional value of a couscous, and you're like, you got to catch yeah. one and like grind it up or something. Like, well, yeah, you gotta- exactly. Well, I was wanting to come up on one, and um, I mean, I hate to do it, but I was wanting to call, come up on one and see if I could get one to regurge for me, um, <laughs> and uh, and see what it ate last. I mean, I know it's going to be a couscous, but still, yeah. uh, to be able to say, okay, it's couscous, but at the same time too, I was like, man, I hate to get that meal out of that thing. You know, it's like they're. You know, it's so scarce out there probably as it is, but who knows. But, um, yeah, Frederick was real interested with me um, observing stuff at night, and I just told him, I was like, man, I was like, it's just, it's just too dangerous. Um, <laughs> and and, I, and I, to be honest with you, I really don't think there's a lot of stuff moving around at night. And just to wander around out there is just so dangerous. I mean, you're going to slip and go down a cliff or a <laughs> creek or a God only knows. I mean, there was spots like I was stepping where the – the ground like went up into my up to my knee and I was like oh my god how far am I going to keep falling like is it going to eventually stop like it's you know and there were spots that were just like you know it's like oh great there's a rock okay thank god you know it's you know but um yeah it's just it's a crazy place it's a it's a dangerous place it's uh it's beautiful it's you know mysterious I guess it's just it's just you know it's it's amazing it's uh you know it's uh when I it's uh, my favorite place to go. <laughs> when I picture <laughs> it, I can just picture like Jurassic Park. Like that's what I think yeah. of. Like you know, it's like, pretty close. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 like another world. Um, yeah. yeah, it really is. It's um, it is legitimate like hardcore um, exploration. I, I, honestly, Jeez. it really is. It's uh. It's like you, you you're going into somewhere and you might not make it out. And that was this trip. Like it was, that was the real, that was the real eye opener. Like you know, because like like I was saying, like I've been traveling for ten years now, twelve or thirteen trips later. It's like you know, I go out there and it's like I I joke with people. Oh yeah, you know, it's like and I don't, I never really look at the severity of it because just that's how I am as a person. Like I'm always just like you know very positive with what I do and not a lot of things scare me and. And this trip was really scary because it was just um, the severity really presented itself um, <clears throat> this time. But um, I learned a lot, like uh, what I can endure as a person individually, and, you know, what right. I can go through and like, you know, to still be able to accomplish what I set out to do um, 
was, you know, obviously wasn't a, wasn't a, it wasn't a question. Uh, it's like I was there. I was like, all right, I'm already sick. I need to finish this. You know, was, you know, it's going to either get worse or better. So I got to take advantage of what I what I could do. And uh, you know, so now it's uh, now it's time to go back out and face the fear again and uh, see what <laughs> other see what other thing I can get involved I could get involved with there now and. Uh, um, and uh, the next step of, you know, tracking these snakes and uh, see what kind of information that provides or, you know, if it does or, or anything and, um, uh, and go to the next and then go, go the next step after that and, uh, and keep going and seeing what we can do. So do you have, always go? Oh, go ahead, Owen. I mean, have, have you planned at all what your next trip's going to be or is it like yeah it's going to be the telemetry stuff uh okay. i was wanting to do it this last trip but i'm glad i wasn't able to get the equipment to do it because it would just been too much mm-hmm. um just with um being able to document because i was really i mean I, I was we were really hoping we were gonna get this nest to, to hatch while we were there and on top of that being sick and then on top of that throwing the telemetry stuff in there it just wouldn't have been done correctly right. Um, it would have been too much of a rush uh, to do it. So this next trip uh, is going to be going out there to um, uh, tag two individuals and, and do the telemetry stuff out there uh, for this next trip. And then if I, if I come across anything else after that's done, then that'll just be extra stuff. You know, um, I might start um, doing the soil, um, you know, analyzing the soil composition or something like that. You know, any, any little thing uh, that, that I have opportunity to, to, to mess with while I'm out there, I'm going to try to take advantage of, we might even do some kind of plant stuff. I know Tom got some samples of plants, uh, that he's going to try to plant at his house, uh, in Indonesia and see if he can get them to grow, but it was kind of <laughs> funny, but, um, <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, so we're going to try to do some, maybe try to do some like soil, um, studies, see if there's anything in the soil that's particular interesting in this area or, or something like that, or, uh, go from there but the telemetry is going to be the that's that's the next project that's uh going to be uh, uh middle of this year uh to go deploy that stuff off and tag two snakes so that's do awesome. you have have, have have has this been a plan that you've had in place for a long time or does this just pop into your head as you're looking at your snakes and say oh you know i yeah. would want to know that <laughs> Yeah. Yes and no. Um, a lot of times I go out, go out with an initial idea, like, okay, what can I do next? You know, it's like, okay, I, I found a, I want to see a snake on eggs. Okay. I'm going to go out there and find a snake on eggs. Found it. Okay. What next? Well, I want to find another one, find out where it's at, if it, how close it is to the other one. Okay. I'll do that. Right. I'll do that two or three times. And I'm like, okay, now I want to find out about the water. I want to find out if uh, I can find, you know, how many babies hatch a year, how many, you know, what's the highest point of elevation they go to? What's the lowest point of elevation they go to? How far do they expand? Is there a range they stop going to? Is there a range they prefer? Kind of stuff like that. And then I've always wanted to, I've always thought about tracking them to see, you know, what their spatial relations relationship is as far as like how far they range and, you know, what their mm-hmm. activity in the daytime is. Cause I mean, in captivity, I, I watch them, and it's like, you know, they come out and they bass and they go in and they come out and bass and they go in. But it's like, how do you relate that to the wild? So it's like, you know, do they really do that in the wild? Do they do less? You know, do they come out and take off? They go somewhere? I mean, so it, so it's like, yeah, I, I have ideas that I want to try to implement. The telemetry thing has always been in the back of my mind. It's like, you know what, I'm going to do this now. I'm at a point now where I can do it out there. I've got a great uh, team that I'm with. 
that we mm-hmm. work, you know, incredibly well with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can do, I, I can do this now where I've got the, the means to do it. I mean, obviously the only issue is just financial aspect of it. And I think I've got that covered this year with uh, a donor that wants to help out with that. I'm hoping that comes, comes through. Cause that'd be fantastic. Um, wow. And uh, awesome. yeah, so um, that's, that's the next phase. And then from that, um, uh, I mean, obviously I'm still trying to push this conservation aspect of it where, <clears throat> you know, get some kind of uh monitoring of so many eggs, you know, or so many nests being protected a year and things like that. So, I mean, there's always stuff to study on them. It's just kind of what presents itself um, uh, each trip and next trip and so on. Has, That's cool. Was I, you did say that this, was a different spot than you normally would go to in this past yeah, trip, right? Yeah, I have an, um, yeah, the Mombramo, I mean, is huge, uh, and that's where I'm, I'm working, but um, this area I'd never been to. It was a, a, a different spot. The last few nests I've been to were uh, on a different area, and this one, for whatever reason we were at, I don't know if it was just because the eggs were getting closer to hatch or whatever, but, uh, um, but yeah, so this was a different spot. It was a little bit more lowland, too. It wasn't as high up as I'm normally used to going okay. which was kind of nice <laughs> mm-hmm. but um it was um it, it was different i mean the environment was a little different than what i'm used to also i mean it still had the same kind of um key factors it just was laid out a little different like um <clears throat> excuse me the nests <clears throat> were more terrestrial like more couscous looking to me than they were prior where some of the other ones were like these kind of teepee shaped structures where the rain would run off them in the more specialized looking. This was more like primitive in a way, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so it was interesting. It was cool. I mean, uh, still, I mean, it's always exciting. It's incredibly exciting just to see a Boland's in the wild. And, and mm-hmm. now it's like to the point where I can go out and I can, I can find them every time now. It's like, they're there. So I know where to go, but you know, seeing eggs is also incredibly exciting, but this was just sure. blew my mind seeing them yeah. pipping out of the eggs, which is insane. Any physical differences between the localities that you've been to? Yeah. Nothing yet. Uh, nothing no. that I've seen uh, really that I've noted. Uh, I mean, the the animals that I see typically, I mean, they got these big chunky heads and stuff like that too. I've got, um, I've actually got some people right now I met a few months ago that are on the eastern, eastern, eastern portion of the island in Papua New Guinea. And they're actually out um, right now, um, uh, looking for animals uh, for me to, or looking to photograph animals for me over there. Um, so I can either, so we can find out if this white and yellow kind of thing is a reality uh, and getting some uh, really nice photographs of heads and side profiles and scalation to see if there's any kind of difference in, you know, scales or proportions or whatever and see if there's any kind of, you know, difference from being an Eastern or Western portion. So that should be exciting also. And I'm hoping to hear back from the next couple of weeks because, my friends have been out in the field for a couple of weeks now and haven't heard anything back. So hopefully that means they didn't run off with the money I sent them or they're actually <laughs> <after> working. <laughs> no, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> That's always a danger, but you know, yeah, um, but it's it, like, you know, come on. <laughs> what's your, what's your theory on the yellow and black, the yellow and white? I know we've talked about it before, but yeah, has anything kind of changed? I, I don't know. I, I, for whatever reason, I, I, I think there is a reality to it. Um, mm-hmm. whether it's, is pronounced as, 
you know, the, the, the theory is, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's a, uh, you know, there's yellow and yellow and white are distinctive words and um, they're not overlapping. They're not a similarity. Um, and the, uh, you know, the locals describe them when they describe them as, uh, you know, a white, a white and uh, black snake or a yellow and black snake. So why would there be anything different than a white and yellow, a white black snake or a, uh, yellow and white, uh, white snake, right. whatever. Right. Um, so th- th- that in itself, right there, is interesting because obviously they know what the difference is. So why would there be anything but two different looking snakes? So um, that's what I'm curious about as well. So uh, I mean, it would be fantastic if if they you know sent me some photos of a of a white and black snake. I'd be like, this is incredible. So, you know, there would be some interest, you know, there, but I don't know if it could be a particular animal itself, you know, an individual or whatnot, or an area that particularly has them like this and they're not there anymore. Who knows? I know they're incredibly rare over um, on that portion of the Island, but um, if it's bones related, I'm, I'm on it. So I've got to find out. (laughs) Um, That's, that's the thing. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be over on the Eastern side one of these days. Uh, to see them over there also since um that that would be super fantastic to see them on on the other side of the island too so their range is basically east to west not they don't go any farther north or on the other side of the mountain range they follow that um they follow that mountain change the jayawi jaya range and it's basically like a spine that runs right through the center of the of that of of new guinea and it mm-hmm. starts all the way up at the Vogel Cup or the Bird's Head Peninsula, which is top west um, area. And then it goes all the way down southeast um, to um, the end of Papua New Guinea. Or, and, or rather, not, not all the way down there. It stops where that mountain range is. And they basically are inhabiting that entire range. Like that, you know, anywhere from 6,000 feet to about 8,500 feet seems to be the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this last, this, this female on these eggs, this last time, she was the highest elevation I've found, but the environment mm-hmm. it was at wasn't, it seemed, uh, flatter than where I've been, but elevation was, I think 7,000 feet. So she was the highest up that I've found one. Um, but, um, yeah, so they they inhabit that whole range, um, of, of mountains. Um, but, uh, but so theoretically they're supposed to be there so i guess the reason i asked that question is because you know you see it with scrub pythons northern and southern and you see it Mm -hmm. with chondros northern and southerns i would almost take a bet that there's carpet pythons that are northern and southern so you know is there any thought and especially maybe um i you know I, i really i really hope so i think it'd be really cool if there was um and especially since now with all these new you know, taxonomy changes and everything and every, you know, everybody changing this and that, mm-hmm. you know, finding out, excuse me, that this one's different and that one's different. I mean, there's just not a large sample of, of bull and I from the wild to be analyzed really. So uh, I try to take as many photos uh, as of like head scalation, you know, you know, this and that, and, you know, measurements and all this stuff to try to put together something. Cause if there is, it'd be fantastic to be able to find it. Yeah. Um, but the Papua New Guinea side, uh, being just very difficult and dangerous to access, um, on mm-hmm. its own, um, makes it hard to document anything over there as well. And the fact that it's just the, 
they're they seem to be harder to find. I don't know if that's the truth or if it's just the fact that um, the sweet spot's got to be found because they're 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 not bones are not rare. They're difficult to find the habitat that they're in. That's the thing. They're mm-hmm. incredibly, like I said, they're incredibly specialized with what they like. So once you find that, then you have a better chance to find them. But I wouldn't say that they're threatened um, or, or rare uh, in the habitats that they're in. I think it's just, they can be difficult to find because of how good they are at doing what that is they do. Um, right. And that's the thing. And, and, and you've got to have the right people that, that know where to find them. That's the other thing. Um, you can't just have some, you know, guy that's been living there and he's never found them before. He's like, oh, let's go look right. for them. That's just not going to happen. You've got to look for the, the similarities that they like, you know, the things that they prefer, and then, then you'll find the snakes. Gotcha. So, huh. Ari, would you ever consider, like, I know you're, you, you're, you're kind of going all over the, the, the range with these guys. Would you ever consider kind of yeah. going to a spot where they maybe aren't necessarily found but kind of fits to their niche to see if they're actually there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would love to backpack through the entire, you know, the whole Island and, and look, uh, it would, it would take four, it would take four lifetimes to do it. We wouldn't see you. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, realistically, I mean, it would take, it would take, you know, like I said, four lifetimes and you'd probably still never be able to, to make it through everything. Um, and God only knows what you'd find. I mean, they're describing new species, you know, all the time out of Papua and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, to be able to find them where they're not supposed to be, um, would be interesting. Or, or, um, like I said, this is the highest elevation is like 7,000 feet. Uh, and I've found them before like at 6,000 feet. So I know they're over on the Papua New Guinea side. They're there. It's just being able to find that zone that they're at. Uh, to be able to to document it, and I'm hoping that uh, these guys that uh, I've got out there right now searching uh, will will find it for me and um, be able to uh, send me some photographs of these animals to see what they look like and see if they are different at all, and then kind of get some data too as far as the environment goes and see if there's any similarities with the eastern portions and the western portions as far as what they prefer and what they don't. This and that should be right. should be pretty interesting. So I'm always trying to come up with new ideas of things to analyze and uh, compare and all that stuff. So uh, I, I guess, Oh, go ahead. Uh, one more is, I guess with the, uh, um, do you think that there's a difference in diet from the Eastern to the Western? I mean, or is couscous everywhere? Well, couscous is everywhere. Uh, all right. But I've heard, I've heard report. Okay, so the, the rumor is the answer, the ones from the Eastern portion are larger in size. Okay. Um, so that would, I would assume that would mean that they have a more abun- either more abundance of food or they're eating larger prey items. But can't, I can't docu- I mean, I can't confirm any of that because I've never seen one. I mean, actually, I take that back. I do have a photo of an animal that's pretty far into the eastern area, and mm-hmm. it looks a little different as far as its coloration goes. But I, I'm waiting for my guys to really get me a photograph of like up close of the head you know, side profile, nape of the neck, you know, all that. So I could really look at it, compare it to these headshots that I have of animals that I've seen in West Papua and say, hey, this animal's got an extra scale on it. This is different. You know, this this size is different. And that way I can really say definitively that this is a, this could be a different animal or a different species or just different in general. Okay. Um, so, yeah. 
What about awesome. other reptiles? Is there any other reptiles yeah. in that environment? Yeah, uh, in the area I'm at, I've, I've never the, the condors aren't up there. It's too cold. Um, right. There's I've never come across any other snakes. They, there's they've told me that there's it's too cold for any other animals except for the bolans. They said everything else is down lower and lower lowland stuff like there's a, right. there's a death adder, but it's in lower lower elevation, like much lower elevation, because um, it's just so damn cold up there and wet. It's not you know you know really comfortable for most. So, so not uh, like any geckos or anything like um, that. Um, there there's skinks. We found some skinks, which I assume the babies, <clears throat> excuse me, are eating. Uh, and there's supposed to be some little frogs too, uh, that are. All, I'm sure there's tons of frogs all over the streams and stuff at night too. But uh, there's smaller reptilian life that's there, but nothing larger by any means. Yeah, I was that, just that thinking like across. maybe if there's another species that you know is also difficult to breed, or you know, you know what I mean, like may, or maybe yeah, yeah, exactly. it comes from the same area that maybe somehow they figured out. Maybe those triggers could be similar. What about as far as like, exactly. is there any kind of other animals that maybe migrate at a certain time of year? Or yeah, we. Um, that's funny you say that. Keith and I were talking about like doing stuff with the with the fowl and everything. And uh, one of my ideas a couple of years ago was just you know the influx of like any kind of migratory animal or migratory birds coming through that would signal, you mm-hmm. know, females to start building follicles or, you know, whatever. But I haven't been able to find any kind of similarities or any kind of situations where that would be present. Um, I don't think uh, uh, any kind of a migratory thing or an influx of food is being a factor for reproduction in the wild. Uh, gotcha. I think they're just happy and they're getting everything that they need. Um, whether it's eating today or eating next week, they're they're maintaining what they're doing, and I think all the I think all the factors are all lined up, and that's what's uh, that's what's doing it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, if there's nothing that's coming in that you know, like you're saying, migratory birds or yeah. anything like that, then you would think that yeah. you know they're. It's not really a food cycle that would stimulate yeah. it per se. You know? Yeah, because initially I thought that could be a good factor as far as why we're seeing issues with you know captive reproduction, but I haven't been able to kind of get any kind of correlation with anything like that that naturally would happen out there. I mean, <clears throat> as, as far as um, an abundance time of the year or anything, um, and we're also thinking about you know the, the diet that the couscous or the prey that the bones are feeding on. What are they feeding on? Is it higher in fiber? Or higher in you know, folic acid or, you know, certain, you know, minerals or something like that, that they're eating that, you know, prove right. to be um, uh, beneficial to the animals uh, to help with reproduction or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at this point, um, we haven't been able to say yes or no. It's just kind of, uh, we know they're eating this. Hmm. Gotcha. Very cool. There's a lot of stuff. So, I mean, like there's, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 there's a lot of stuff. Obviously, the telemetry stuff, but it's like, uh, sorry, do you find you kind of come back with more questions than you went with? So it's very... <laughs> always, I always, yeah, that's the exciting thing. Like I go out and I always come back with a million more questions, or I think I've come up with a, I think I figured it out, and I'm like, no, I, you know, I'll just crumble up the paper. It's like, uh, <laughs> Wrong. you know, it's, and then I, yeah, it's uh yeah, I'm always thinking of changing things, and I'm always thinking of coming up with new ideas. And I go out there, and it's like, 
God, I was like, wow, what was I thinking? I was like, no, there's no way. Or, or you know, like, yeah, okay, this is possible. And I'm just like, man, no way. It, it's, it, I always come back, you know, scratching my head. And, and I think that itself is one of the huge factors of why I'm, 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 I'm back all the time. Not mm, just because right. it's, you know, I'm so passionate about it. And, you know, it really is addictive. It's, it, you know, it's, it's like I'm, I'm having to answer the question and uh, I haven't been able to answer it yet. I don't know if I ever will. Like, it's funny, like everyone's asked me, like, what are you out there for? I was like, I don't really know what I'm searching for. It's just like, I'm going, I'm going out there and whatever's presented to me, I, I take, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the bit of information I get this time. And, um, what I'm looking for next time, I don't know, but it'll present itself with me. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. That's what it is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's every time is different. And, um, and that's the exciting factor, uh, and the exciting thing about it that, um, uh, I don't know what, what will be presented, uh, presented to me or, uh, or what I'll experience, uh, or what I'll witness or what I'll come up with just, you know, laying in a hut and thinking of something. Um, that this might, you know, might be something beneficial, or this may be the reason why they're doing this. Right. So, as we run short on time, I want to make sure, like, yeah. what's the update on the book? Uh, yeah. You... Oh, I was waiting. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've been, uh, I, I've been pushing hard on this thing, and uh, it's, it's almost done. I mean, I told everybody that, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh. I'd say it's probably about 90% finished. Uh, I, I needed to get these last photos that I was really, really praying to get on this last trip um, to wrap up this last section. Cause I needed to have like a start to finish with that. And then um, I was uh, talking to um, my good friend, Russ, who's doing all the editing for me. And um, uh looks like I'm going to probably have it published by uh, eco uh, that's my plan. Awesome. So <clears throat> I'm going to do it that way. And we were talking and I said, you know, this is, this is the last Boland's book I'm doing and this needs to come out and be just a incredible, you know, photographic compilation of New Guinea, Boland's Python adventure. I mean, it needs to have everything in it. So, um, I was talking to, uh, uh actually I, I spoke to Keith and Frederick this, this morning. And uh, mm-hmm. they're going to be um, writing up a uh, captive husbandry and reproductive section that I'm going to add to the book. Um, oh, wow. So it will – yeah, so it will be um, an updated to up, – to up-to-date up husbandry protocol, um, what is working, what is not. And then, uh, and then I'm going to have all of Frederick's uh, uh, reproductive um, notes in all of his regiment for what he's done the last four or five times with his animals in there. Um, so in then on top of that, it'll have, um, uh, I've got a introduction section on New Guinea that's uh, being finished up right now by a entomologist that um, spends a lot of time in West Papua. <clears throat> so he's going to be putting that in there, which will be really cool. And that's almost done. And then I'm going to be putting together a section on just uh, introduction on the species. So that way, Anybody and anybody can be familiarized with what a Boland's Python is and, and enjoy the book, not just the hardcore, hardcore people like yourselves that are, you know, wanting to read it for what it is. So essentially right. this book will be the book on Boland's Pythons. This will cover every aspect of anything that has to do with Boland's Pythons. It will be in this book. 
Um, nice. And uh, we, we kind of made that decision uh, yesterday uh, because I was like, I'm putting this thing out and this is going to be my last one. I was like, I'm not <laughs> the book. No so more. Want, no more. So I was like, I, I go, this is going to be the last one and this is going to be like the most incredible book. And I, I apologize to everybody for how long it's taken. It's taken like four or five years been working on this thing, but please, it is, I'm, it is going to be so good when it's done. It's, you guys will be proud. So it'll be nice. Um, and, <laughs> it's uh, your swan plan. Is that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's going to be, it, it's, I mean, the, I want it to be where the photographs are there for anybody that likes nature, anybody that likes tribal people, and then anybody that likes snakes and everybody that likes adventure. And it's going to have just <laughs> everything for, it won't just be a snake person's book. It'll be a book for people that are interested in New Guinea. And it's going to be just, awesome it's gonna be super cool that's fantastic and and yes i'd I'd almost rather you take the time and yeah spend the five years and get it done and make it make it as badass as possible rather than putting it out there and then like going like if you had rushed it and had it printed before you went out this last trip you would have missed all this oh i'd be I'd be mad for you. So like, oh, yeah, it'd be terrible. <laughs> I, like, I was just like, you know, it was funny because my, my guides that are my friends, <clears throat> when I do- got done taking photos, I was, like, sitting there practically crying. I'm like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And they said <laughs> and they, and it was funny because they said, they said, book finished? And I'm like, the book is finished. <laughs> yeah. Shut up. But I'm like, <laughs> yep, the book is finished. Even they know. <laughs> yeah. And they were all excited. They were so excited because they're like, yeah, because I've been coming out for so long to try to get this done. But then they were sad because they thought I wouldn't be back. I'm like, you guys are crazy. I'm like, I'm gonna, <laughs> no, no, no. I go, I'm going to retire here. You'll get tired of me. So I'm going to have everything. It'll be from, you know, the whole gamut of everything Bones related. It will be in there. A captive husbandry reproduction. And then 10 years of going out there and, and experiencing all these things and photographing it from, you know, wild animals. And I mean, the, it'll have, it's going to have the most, most imagery from any wild bones pythons you've ever seen. I mean, the bar none flat out, you won't that's be able to find anything better. That's um, awesome. Be pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, it'll have full pages of females sitting on eggs and, pages of females with eggs hatching i mean it's gonna be insane that's great so i mean it seems like guys and girls that are into uh bolens pythons really kind of specialize in that species is there i'm just curious is there anything that ever like sort of gets your attention and like kind of like because every once in a while, everybody gets the, you know what I mean? That the itch. Oh, yeah. Wow, that would that would be cool <laughs> to keep that. Is what's what's the yeah. species that like, you know, grabs your attention? Bolins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it. Come on, man. Give me a break, right? Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I know. It's funny because like I run into people like like I was at a show this weekend and somebody came and he was like. It's like, oh, you're already you do the bold stuff. I'm like, uh, depends who's asking, you know. It's like, he, goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, and he's talking. He's like, oh, he's like, I really like what you're doing. I was like, oh, thanks, man. I was like, you know, it's cool. He's it's like, oh, you don't keep up the work. He's like, oh, do you keep anything else? I'm like, no, just bones by them. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. It's just all I have. It's you know, it's enough in itself right there. It's uh, I mean, there, I mean, I love. Uh, there's so many other species of reptile and amphibians that I'm I'm fascinated with. I think are incredible. Sure. But it's just like, right. But it's just, uh, you know, it's like 
bowlins are, are my thing. That's what that's what I get the most enjoyment out of um, seeing. Gotcha. I mean, obviously there's a couple of species I don't really like, but um, the bowlins are just like that's it. I mean, uh, it doesn't get I mean it doesn't get much better than me. I, I joke, my friend asked me a question his last year. He goes, if you could only keep one species, but you could have as many as you wanted, what would it be? I was like bowlins. Yeah, really you could only do one species i'm like i was like well if i was going to this would be bones yeah so <laughs> yeah uh okay. i think we stopped asking you those questions when you came on after like the first time because we, we didn't want yeah. you to say bullens every time you know it's like all right yeah i, know, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I mean I, I i love carpet pythons and like they're that that they're it for me you know and blah 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 but yeah. I, I being honest man like i see these other species and i'm like oh man that would be cool you know <laughs> yeah i mean that's I fantastic i, I, mean, I can't control all, that there's so much <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh it's taken a long time for me to be like thin out the collection to the point where it's like I have to it's just like this is what I'm focusing on this is it you know right. it's like and, and and what it is is bones pythons are they're uh it's it's a lifelong commitment that's, that's mm-hmm. the best way to describe it they're an animal that you have to maintain you know in your collection forever until you know they're done kicking you know it's right because like I said you have to they have to be in a routine that's incredibly important for them they're they're very sensitive to change and um and that routine needs to be consistent for any success with them, but just to maintain them, you know, make them happy, I think is, is very important. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So before we jump off, I want to, are you still yeah. doing the GoFundMe page? Is that still alive? Yeah, I'm always, um, yeah, I've got my, my GoFundMe is up all the time. Um, I, I'm, I'm always, um, welcoming donations, uh, anything like that. I mean, cause uh, you know, a huge portion of of me getting out there is based off of people helping me out. I mean, that's how I do it. Um, And then the other half is, you know, comes out of my own pocket. So, um, excuse me. So, you know, my GoFundMe's up. I mean, if you're wanting to donate and you don't want to do the GoFundMe, you know, send me an email, send me a a instant message, you know, you know, get in touch with me or whatever. And and if you say, Hey, I want to donate a couple hundred bucks or I want to donate this or I want to auction this off that, you know, that's awesome. I mean, everything, like I've said it a million times, everything helps, um, you know, sure. whether it's five bucks, 10 bucks, everything helps because, um, it all goes back in to, uh, me going back out there and, and doing this so I can talk to you guys about it and I can share <laughs> information and, and, uh, it's killing me not being able to post these photos of these babies hatching, but I want to save them for the book <laughs> so much better. Um, I mean, I posted a photo of me with one of, with the baby in my hand, and I was like, I can't. My friend's like, why'd you post that? You're, you shouldn't do it for the book. And I'm like, I've got to have something out. I was like, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah, but um, but like I said, yeah, everything um, uh, everything helps, and uh, I wouldn't be able to do this without people helping out. Um, like I said, it's uh, it's uh, either you know people donating money and or coming out of or or it's coming out from me, you know, paying for it all myself, so I don't get any yeah. grants or anything like that, or. Uh, okay. Facility support and stuff. Yeah. So it's GoFundMe.com slash Bolin Python Bolin's Python's research. I th- yeah, I think so. Uh, you can you can find it off of ProjectBlackPython.org, which is uh, my website, and I've got tons of information on there. And I just added up all the updates from this last trip. I try to keep as, the updates up as as current as possible. Right. Um, you can contact me from that. You can find me on Facebook. I'm on the. Uh, you can also find it on the uh, the Bones um, Facebook page uh, that I've got. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you're looking for me, you can track me down and, uh, and you can, if, if to help out or whatever, or just to say hi and talk and stuff like that. I mean, I get messages from people all the time and I'm, I'm super willing to answer questions best I can on Boland's pythons and stuff and what I'm doing and everything. So. Okay. And awesome. I think I did put the links in the show description. Yes. So I you think can so. check them out. Yeah. And you know, yeah. If you want to donate or whatever. And I'm, yeah. I'm sure maybe, uh, I'm sure before you go again, who knows? Maybe we'll, we'll do. I think we're going to do another T-shirt, but I, <laughs> yeah. I, I want to toss a baby up there on the next T-shirt, or maybe do oh, one of the sweet. black yeah, and white bowlings. Like we can figure something yeah. out. I'll figure oh, yeah, it. No worries. Yeah, yeah. And, and thank you guys for helping out with that shirt and stuff again. It was great. I mean, it was funny. I got all these people messaging me like weeks ago. Hey, can we still get shirts? I'm like, no. Yeah, really it happens. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. I was like, uh, I was like, can't, you know. But um, everybody loves them, and I and I think people are starting to like expect them every year almost. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get messages, people like, are you doing another Bowling shirt? And I'm like, well, maybe. I, I might I, be one. You know, so. Why not? But, uh, I mean, it's gonna be yeah. one of those things where you know it. Carpet Fest T-shirt, and at some point during the yeah. year, a Bullens Python T-shirt. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's, exactly. We don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's good for everybody. So uh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so um, uh, yeah, definitely we can do something like that. But you know, it's uh, thanks for having me on again. I mean, I love coming on and talking to you guys. It's it's always fun. Yeah, oh, we man, get to live you. vicariously <laughs> through you. Yeah, I mean, we get yeah, to get maybe to not this trip because. Right I don't know if I want to emulate you like dying on the floor of a hut this time. I mean, everything <laughs> yeah, else is good. Man, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a little rough this yeah. trip. So, yep. well, we're glad you make it back okay. And uh, me too. You know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure you're just gonna keep going back and forth. Yeah, and, uh, it's not gonna yeah. stop me. Uh, <laughs> I'm I, like I've got at least another ten years left in me for this. Um, <laughs> of of hiking out there looking for these snakes. So, um, I'm not stopping anytime soon. Um, I'm not gonna let getting sick scare me away from it because I got a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah. So awesome. Well, you know, again, thanks, cool. man. You're always welcome. No uh, problem. Make sure when your book, you know, when you're ready to release it, oh, yeah. give it a oh, shout yeah, out. Let us know. Yeah. You <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Of course. So. so. All right, Ari. Cool. All right, you guys take it easy. Right. Thanks again. You too, man. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. You know, I feel like such a putz. Uh, really? Because, <laughs> well, this guy goes over to Papua New Guinea, what, what was it, 13 times? And we had her sitting on our asses to and never really Australia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we suck, man. I, I know. I know we yeah. do. But, you know, it's things happen. I have to get a new car. You know I have to get a new car. No, nah, man. I can't. I can't. I right, stop. All right. I, I know, got a lot of I know. shit. I got I know. To do too. I know. I know. And, and I, I said this year, before I know all, <laughs> all my snake might, well, you were, I mean, how long do hobbits live? I mean, you guys have a short. Yeah. Span, I right? got a limited time frame, man. Exactly. So <laughs> anyway, but I was think. I said this year, all the sales from my 18 stock or any snake sales done in 2018 are going into a separate bank account or going straight for, Australia. So I sold two babies last week. So I already have 600 bucks in there. So oh, there you go. You're halfway there, man. For the I know. Game. And I have, <laughs> I have all of the paperwork in my desk to go get my passport. And I'm going to do that next week. So, nice. all right. So this yes. is happening. I'm working right. on it. I'm I working it. on it. I, I cannot give you a solid yes. Cause there's a lot of other shit in the way, 
but I will know very soon. So, yeah. I'm going to have to pretend that we're going to see, like, rhino rat snakes or some shit, and you'll be like, I'm there. That's not true. (laughs) That's not true. Although... I'm just fucking But we're, we're over there, and you know I'm going to be like the, I wonder what this is. Oh, fear snake. And I have to, like, throw it. Like, you know, that's that's my biggest concern is I'm going to be like, I'm what gonna catch this? it. And like, then what the die. hell? Yeah, exactly. Like, I'll throw yeah. it, hit Rob in the face, which, by the You're way. Dory. <laughs> You're Dory. I'm sorry to tell you that, Eric. You know, but, by the way, Rob Stone emailed me this week off of one of my King Snake ads because he was upset that I heard I wasn't coming to Tinley Park. So it's like, who could have told him that stuff? Uh, but that you weren't coming I, to Tinley. Yeah, I don't. I think I mentioned think it on the air, didn't I? I don't remember. Yeah, I think. But, but either way, Rob's like, that's impossible. He threatened to call Jim on me, and I said, Jim's going <laughs> to my brother. I'm like, Jim's coming to my brother's wedding. He will yeah, be right kinda, next to me. He's going to help that you. One. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jim's going to be there. And then uh, he that's asked like for. He asked for pictures of the right angle of all the vents of the caramel females that I have for sale. And I told him that's impossible. I only shoot from the left. So I, clearly I didn't make the sale. Did you know it was Rob? Yeah, it's, 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 right oh, okay. it's just right there on his thing. It's oh. an email from, and it has like an email and it has like, who else is Robert Stone? I mean, like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I thought maybe he was just like you. you know, I think he like I think he was just trying to bust my chops, but you to know. See what you would say. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe that is what it started. But yeah, he's gonna email me later and be like, "That wasn't me," and I'd be like, "Well, I have no idea who the hell I was talking to then." So, man, yeah. see what happens. Like, I'm so busy at work, I haven't been able to chat with Rob. Now he's just he's he's sending bored. you emails. Now he's just like he's he's <laughs> he's got to get his fix. <laughs> yeah. He's just trolling the shit out of you, man. <laughs> he wants That's to see fine. that angry Owen come to the surface. It, it made me, it, it, it made me chuckle because I'm like, I'm like sitting there. I'm like, who the hell's emailing me? I'm like, and I'm reading this. I'm like, who the? Oh, Rob. So, and it made me laugh. Yeah. Like, you know, that stuff. Uh, that's funny. Oh he, man, he can't so. can't get to you, so he's got to settle for me. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh man, but um. Yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome talk, man. I think yeah, that I was like probably that. my favorite uh, episode with Ari. Like, you know, I always enjoy when Ari comes on because it's like a gr- a glimpse into the research, and like that's why I'm so quiet. I'm just listening to what the hell he's saying. So it's um, it's like the glimpse into the research side, glimpse into you, you know it, the puzzle that is Bolin's pythons. I mean, people have given up their entire collections to pursue these things, and some of them who have dedicated years are are still can't get them to breed. So Ari doing this stuff, like I was serious. I, I was kind of serious, kind of joking. One of these times, somebody like Keith's going to tell him to, you know, um, capture one of the Boland's prey and grind it up so we can figure out what nutritional value it has. Like, you know, that's eventually they'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, like I said, when we were talking, I think, I think diamond pythons, like all the things that he were, what that like Ari was saying is, you know, like a snake that's very specialized for a specific mm-hmm. environment. And, you know, yeah, they've just adapted to be in this, 
in this, in this area, I, I, you know, I it just hear that same thing from, from diamond pythons and it's not necessarily oh, yeah. that it's harder. It's just that it's different, you know, it's different. And, um, yeah. I think guys like Keith, obviously Frederick, you know, Ari, you know, those guys have, uh, are on the way to figure it out. You know, they, they've, yeah. they've put themselves in a position where eventually, you know, I can't imagine it's almost like Scott with his, um, Moluccans, like if he gets success with them this year, like do we beat him I mean, with a stick? I mean, well, like, I'm just saying I, it's like it's it's one thing to get, and I'm not trying to take away from carpet pythons or anything like that, <laughs> but you know it's it's pretty simple to breed them. Like everybody kind of knows, it's, it's kind of like you it's not that hard. Thing Nick said you can breed a carpet python by accident. You know yeah. there are certain species you got to try, and for Scott now Scott really only does like what maybe two or three pairs of jungles and the Malukans and the white lips. That's it. And he's focused on that. And he's raised those animals for that. And if you were to get them, that's a huge success. But going back to the Bolins, the one thing I would kind of interject with your comparison to diamond pythons is Uh diamonds are yellow and also white as well. So the comparison between the two, in my opinion, is amazing. I, I, I always like to think that the closest Morelia kind of thing to a Bullens would be a diamond. Yeah, I just think it's the environment that they're from. But yeah. I, what I was saying is like those guys, I can't imagine the feeling. I mean, I, I went in and saw an IJ <laughs> on eggs tonight and I'm like yeah. ready to do a cartwheel. You know, my wife's like, <laughs> what the hell is going on down there? I'm, you know, oh my God, I got eggs, you know, and it was <laughs> I took one season off. I'm like, you took one oh, season yeah. off. You're losing your mind. I don't know what, what to do. Is, yeah. I'm back well, in the game. <laughs> you spiked the bin. Oh, wait, shit. Yeah. You're like, you know, that's. Uh, <laughs> damn it. But damn it. Now it's over. But, um, you know, uh, and it's funny because I'm talking to Chris because Chris has that huge scrub collection that he's been working with. And he, mm-hmm. uh, he and I had a conversation today. He has literally not produced a snake since 2008. And he's like, Holy and now I have to, like, and now he's got scrubs locking. He's got pears getting ready to roll. And he's like, I don't, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm second guessing everything. I'm like, just calm down. <laughs> just chill out. Shit will right. happen when it happens. But it's like, it, it's such a weird thing. And to have a collection like some, like the scrubs that would just kind of be, you know, you got to try a little bit more. You got to pay attention extra special to have success with that stuff is insane. So, you know, obviously if those guys get that, it's awesome. So, yeah, I, I mean, it must be a, a feeling beyond feelings of like working that long. Oh yeah. And not like, I think, getting, getting kicked in the neck and, you know, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> and you finally every get year, it. Every year. Like I told you, if I were to get the white lips to breed, you're going to hear me like scream from here. Like, you know, you're just going to be sitting at your office typing away going, what the hell is that noise? So like, you know, that's Owen. Like, yeah, that's how excited you get with that kind of stuff. Oh so, yeah. 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 I think everybody I, should have a project of an animals that aren't easy. Just so every year you can try so that that one year where it goes right and you get the eggs, you can freak the hell out. So yeah, yeah, I, I got a couple of them, and you know, I'm just like, you know, it is. It's exciting because every time you, uh, you know, even just keeping them is mm-hmm. exciting. 
you know, because mm-hmm. you're just learning a, a different way. And, you know, I'm sure that, you know, those guys, I know Scott really worked hard on trying to come up and research this whole past year, leading him up to where he's at. And, you know, just, you can only hope that, you know, he, he, he gets eggs. Same with Keith, you know, with, with the Bones and holy yeah. shit, that would be awesome. You know, to yeah. have it here in the States and I don't know. I just, yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing is, as we know these guys and as we find out just how passionate they are about the species, you almost root for them every year to get it. And you're almost like your heart breaks with them when they don't get the eggs or this happens and that happens. Like, for Keith to have like to come downstairs and be sitting on Boland's eggs, I mean, I, 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 I would be happy. Like that would bring my Holy day shit. up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like you know, that would, uh, that would, that would, that would make me yeah. happy to have Scott. I mean, Scott, Scott has Malukins because he came to uh, ICAS and he held Hazel for half the damn show. Like you know, that's what started it. Have him ICAS? have success. Twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. Yeah. So, like, to have him have success with Malukins, have, knowing that, you know, it was a former animal that I had something to do with that kind of put him on the path, that's awesome, too. So, you root yeah. for these guys, and you hope they do well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, life, like, the way I live and try to, like, approach things is, like, you don't know what the high feels like until you experience the low. And if you have oh, yeah. experienced the low, <laughs> that high is so much sweeter, man. Oh, you know? yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah, you oh, know? yeah. And you're just like, oh, I thought that it was the end of the world three weeks ago, but not anymore. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That'll be You've fun, and there. I can't wait. <sighs> so, yeah, I wanted to uh, throw out one more thing before we uh, just wrap up. Is um, I listened to uh, the podcast from the ground up with mm. Jason Brumley, and man, that was a good episode. So if you haven't got a chance to check it out, you should check that one out for sure. Not, Very you cool. know, I don't know. I, Jason Brumley, he's uh, down in Texas. You know who Jason is, right? He's always yeah, at the Southern uh, Carpet Fest. We met Fest. him at Southern Carpet Fest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's. Uh, yeah. Real good dude, and uh, I've been wanting him to to always come on NPR. But the thing is, is like I'm waiting for him to produce Angolans, and then mm. talk to him about that. That's <laughs> that's that's the goal. Because you can't, oh. dude. It's so hard to find people to talk about these, you know, odd species. Huh? You know, right. well, no, no, no. Just like you know, oh. just odd species all together. I am. Um, and the cool thing is, is that you know, t- <laughs> today. This is just this is another off topic, but today, like I'm inside uh-huh. all day, right? You know, and, you know, we're, we're rushing around to get the store ready, and you know, blah blah blah. So I'm so focused on everything else, and not mm-hmm. like the day just goes by. Like it's unbelievable how fast the day goes by. So mm-hmm. I'm getting ready to leave, and I walk out the door, and I'm like, oh my god, it's like 70 degrees. I told you, know? you. It was you know, the first thing that pops into my head. Blend pythons. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did they arrive today? No, no. I, okay. I haven't been able to do any kind of shipping. Oh, because... but it's getting warmer. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, dude. <laughs> yeah, oh. Uh, well, I can't wait for you. I want to see those things. You know, that yeah. uh maybe. We have to get and to I... the final evolution of the room before I consider getting anything big again. 
So he oh, says yeah, after he gets a retick. A retick, I, I, I know. Yeah, never. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Just, yeah. yeah, I make no sense. Very good. Yeah. No, that's all right. None of us do. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. Next week is still. Uh, I got a couple people possibly lined up. I'm just waiting to cool. get back, but uh, it's up in the air. So uh, stay tuned for that. Sorry that the you know like I've been like scrambling to get them. Usually I try to get them to blog talk and booked by Friday and then mm-hmm. it kind of posted out on Facebook, but I've been doing it like Monday night. Right. So then it doesn't post the same way. And that's why people are kind of wondering what the hell's going on, but trying to do all the this of our pants is what we're doing. Working 80 <laughs> hours a week is, whew, you know, it's like <laughs> doubled my time at, you know, like, holy shit. The vacation will be sweet this year. That's for sure. There you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, for us, MoreliaPythonRadio.com. Our email is info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. If you are uh, interested in um, uh, sending us, uh, you know, you want to troll us, uh, you know, send us <laughs> <laughs> whatever, you know, you want, you want to take pictures of snakes at certain angles, send it on out. You know? uh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you know, if you're interested in a guest or he- hell, then maybe you want to come on the show. Just send me a line and uh, Why not? You know, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll chat it up and see what see what goes. Um, so, yeah. And you can find all of our stuff from there. Myself, ebmorelia.com. Um, the one thing I've been really trying to stick to is, um, you know, doing that blog once a week and trying to do a YouTube video once a week. Um, I just haven't had time to, you know, the coolest part of Owen's video is the second half <laughs> time to do it because it's like highly edited, you know, that I got to go through and do it. And it's just like, oh man, I have not, not done it because of the comments, trust me, but it looks like that. It's just that I just yeah, haven't yeah, had yeah. time. It takes but, more than that to get us to stop what we're doing. I mean, if we, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're here for yeah, six years. Know, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if if nasty comments were what's going to make us to stop, we would not still be here. So uh, yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> but um, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully, uh, once everything's a little more settled, I can get in and do some editing time and get that because yeah. that has the rough scale in it and some yeah, of the yeah. and shit, you know. So yeah, so. All right, and uh, so Eric, uh, Eric at ebmorelia.com is my email. Um, I guess if you're interested, now that I have a clutch on the ground and a bunch <laughs> on the way, uh, I would recommend you go into my website, looking at my breeding diaries. If there's something there that catches your eye, uh, shoot me an email or a PM, and uh, I can get you on a list. Um, and yeah, that's all I got. I'm going to buy the entire IJ clutch just to keep it out of the hands of the IJ people, you know. Oh, no wonder Ooh. no wonder you get bad comments. There it is. <laughs> it's you the monster. IJ thing. We found out. Finally. I knew it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's really all the IJ people. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. Anyway. <laughs> That's a real threat. They'll never breed here. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty secure that nothing's going on with that. Anymore. Yeah, that ain't gonna, ain't gonna happen. So, um, what I will say is, uh, for myself, it's rogue-reptiles.com. We got a few animals left for sale uh, up there, as well as the potential breeding for the 18s. 
Um, there, I will. I do have a, sh- a table for this weekend's Hamburg Reptile Show, Hamburg, Pennsylvania. I will probably be set up right behind Matt Minatola at Philly Herp. Uh, Hamburg's a great show if you're into carpet pythons, just myself, Jason Balin, Howard Redding, Eric Kohler, uh, just as the carpet python people. There are also various other breeders like Matt Minatola for blood pythons and other stuff like that. It, it's a good show. Also, largest venom show uh, on the East Coast. So you just get very pretty venomous like I do and then run away. They'll be there too. So that's this Saturday. Come on out. Uh, we'd love to see you come over by the table, talk snakes. Uh, we'll see what's up. Um, other than that, you can also go to facebook.com, look up rogue reptiles on Facebook. Give us a like. I try to put up just the random pictures that I see at the collection, uh, day to day on Facebook. Keep everybody up to date, especially during the breeding time. Um, that's all I got. That's all we have for you guys tonight. So thank you all for listening. And we're going to catch everybody back here next week for some more Morelia Python radio.